0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. It is Tuesday, July 16th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, election lawyer Adolfo Mondragon returns. We welcome hosts of the Girl Talk, Erica Wozniak and Jen Sabella. And it's the return of Jerry Brown and Tom Shepard. Around here we call them the Southside Political Know-It Alls. And now your host, Southside Political Know-It-All, North Side, East Side, West Side, all of the sides. <laughs> Chicago Raider columnist Ben Jarofsky, what are you doing with your hands?
1: I'm playing the
0: air organ.
1: Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Tumbling Dice Tuesday, and here's why. Had a great weekend. We, uh, Do you have a good weekend? Yeah, a few days ago, I had a great weekend. <laughs> I had a great weekend. I saw a concert, went to Taste of Chicago, saw Indy RE, very good concert, worthy. Huh. That's her slogan. She's not
0: the average girl in your video. Uh that went over your head. Yeah, way over my head. Yes. Anyway,
1: uh, yeah, I saw a concert, and then I saw a movie. Saw Wild Rose. Want to tell everybody? Pretty good flicks. No, yesterday, but it's not bad. Pretty good flick. Did not want to see Wild Rose. D. I wanted to see Crawl. Do you want know yeah, Crawl? That sounds it is? like something you'd like. <laughs> crawl, <laughs> Ugh, Crawl, Crawl. The one where the alligators get in the house and they're going after people. <laughs>
0: Are you serious? That's what about?
2: Yeah,
1: man. I wanted to see Crawl. It opened last week. I was like dying to see Crawl. But here's the deal. How the deal. Man. Now, uh, remember you told me that your good friend uh, JGT and his uh, wife, Sydney, they just got married and yeah. you went to the wedding and yeah. you asked me, you know, Ben, you've been married forever. Yeah. Uh, what's the secret to marriage? Well, I'll tell you. Okay. little oh, advice. Wow. JGT, if you're listening. I wanted to see Crawl, I wanted to see Really Bad, but my wife and her friend wanted to see Wild Rose. So, you know what I did, D? What's I that? cut a deal. Oh, there all you right. Go. I said, "All right, I'll go see Wild Rose this weekend if you promise to see Crawl next weekend." My wife <laughs> said, "Okay." The secret to marriage, D? It's much like hosting a radio show or a podcast. you got to cut a lot of deals. So anyway, I saw Wild Rose. Not bad. If you like country music, run, don't walk. Does so you like country music, do I like country music. Well, run, don't walk. I like from like the 70s and 80s. Uh, well, there's a lot of 70s uh, music in this, uh, 70s country music. Anyway, good flick. Uh, and then I woke up to discover our country is being led by a lunatic. And that lunatic, of course, is President Donald Trump. Now, I knew... The country was led by a lunatic when I went to bed on uh, Saturday night, and so just waking up and reading the insanity of Donald Trump just reaffirmed what I already knew, and of course, as you know, people have been talking about it for the last couple days, Donald Trump has decided to wage war on four Democratic congresswomen, uh, congresswomen of color, and uh, his strategy uh, is clearly to take those four congresswomen, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez, Ilhan Omar, Rashid Talib, and uh, Ayanna Pressley... And sort of make them the symbols of the Democratic Party. Okay. And uh, so he pounded away at them over the weekend saying, among other things, if they don't like this country, they should go back to the country they came from. Uh, overlooking the fact that three of them were born in this country. In fact, I just want to talk about uh, Iana Presley. She's a congresswoman from Boston. Leah knows her because Leah goes to college at Boston, but before that, she grew up in Chicago. How about that? D the country she comes from is Chicago, the country of Chicago. She grew up on the north side of Chicago. She graduated from Francis Parker High School uh, at the corner of Clark and Belden. Uh, The Colonels, all right, that's what they're known as. The Colonels. One time, I went to a basketball game, a big basketball game. Long story, how I got there between Francis Parker and Latin, two prestigious private schools the north sides it was the colonels versus the romans the colonels were victorious i think i don't know it was a long time for all i know anna presley was in the crowd going eh, yay, wee, wee. so donald trump if she goes back to the country she came from she's going back to the corner of clark and belden on the north side of chicago so clearly donald trump was up to no good with what he said and here's the deal folks Donald Trump is uh, either one of two things. There are people who say that he is smart like a fox, and there are people who say he's playing a losing hand. In the smart like a fox category, I have a gentleman who is a pollster. I'm reading his quotes in today's New York Times. A pollster for the Democratic Party named Cornell Belcher. Wow, what a name, Cornell Belcher. He's a Democratic pollster and strategist. And oh, said, I love Cornell
0: Belcher. Yeah, I know. I, he's a good friend of yours uh, from Alton. I love his
1: work. Is he from Alton? No. Oh, okay. Uh, Cornell Belcher says he's crazy like a fox, and it only makes perfectly good sense for him to go back to what got him here in the first place, which is driving this racial angst in the electric. To a certain extent, the electorate already gets that Donald Trump is a racist and he says racist, offensive things. So, of course, you have to condemn what he says as a matter of principle, Mr. Belcher continued. Mr. Belcher continued. Mr. Belcher's got a great name, doesn't he, But from a strategic standpoint, does it get you anything to fall into what he clearly wants the battle to be fought? It's almost like he's picking the battlefield for 2020. So, Cornell Belcher, Democratic strategist, says Trump is crazy like a fox, and I say this. I cannot believe that the good people of Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, the swing voters of those states, those key states right there, if those states swing the other way, the Democrats take back the White House in 2020. So I cannot believe that those swing voters, knowing what they know, will still vote for Donald John Trump, will still vote for an openly racist president who makes clearly bigoted appeals to win people over. Can believe that, D? Maybe I don't want to believe that. Every time I say something like that, I know the guests come in the studio. What do they tell me, D? They go, Ben you live in Chicago, Ben, you got to get out of Chicago, Ben, you just hang around with people who all think the same way you do. That's not totally true. Okay. Just a couple weekends, I went to Indiana. Of course, I was hanging around with people who thought like me when I was in Indiana, but still I was in Indiana. So I'm just betting at the risk of sounding naive. I am just betting right now that if it comes down to a gamble between American voters going with their best instincts or their worst instincts, the good will prevail. We got a great show today, everybody. Our guests, Adolfo El-Dragon, the uh, election law lawyer from the Southwest side. Let's see what he has to say about Donald Trump. I got a feeling almost all of our guests are going to disagree with me on this one, D. I think all of our guests, because they have been disagreeing with me on this one, from the get-go, are going to go, Ben, you're too naive, all right? You believe too much in the goodness of people, and then people are evil and racist and decadent and horrible. And they oh, lo- wow. Love Trump. You're kind of trashing our guests. <laughs> Well, no, they they don't. Be, they just believe people are like that. So we'll oh, see okay. if they. Uh, Erica Wozniak will be here. Uh, she's a co-host of the Girl Talk. She's from Michigan. We'll get a report from Erica on what uh, voters in Michigan are saying. Uh, and then, of course, the Southside political know-it-alls, Jerry Brown and Tom Shepard, will be rolling in at two thirty. Jerry Brown has already told me, Ben, the Democrats have got to go with Joe Biden. They gotta go with somebody like Stable Joe. We'll see uh, if Jerry Brown uh believes that uh this country is gonna go with its worst instincts or its best instincts. That's what we'll be talking about today. Politics, politics, politics with Adolfo, Erica, Tom, and Jerry. But before we do any of that,
0: the doctor has the news. Hey guys, how's it going? Not a doctor. Name's Dennis. Never been a doctor. <laughs> But right. you got to go to a doctor. Man. Oh, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the middle of the day and well, let's talk about the national news happening mm. this afternoon. Let's just keep talking about that one story you were referring to. Seems to be a pretty big story. Yeah? Oh, so, a yeah. couple of days uh, ago, something happened. Our president Donald J Trump with the 2020 election campaign season underway, went looking for a political fight, hey, and what do you know, he found one on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So it Ain't goes. Surprise! There happens like that all the time. On Sunday, Trump targeted our four new Democratic slash progressive congresswomen, uh, now known as the Squad: Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York, Ilhan Omar of Minnesota, Ayanna Pressley of Massachusetts, and Rashida Tlaib of Michigan. At 5:27 a.m. Sunday, Trump said, "Quote: So interesting to see progressive Democrat." congresswomen who original oh, Democrat congresswomen because he knows that really bugs uh, those are the Democratic persuasion. <laughs> uh, progressive Democrat congresswomen who originally came from countries whose governments are a complete and total catastrophe the worst most corrupt and inept anywhere in the world if they even have a functioning government at all, now loudly and viciously telling the people of the United States, the greatest and most powerful nation on Earth, how our government is to be run. Why don't they go back and help fix the totally broken and crime-infested places from which they came? Then come back and show us how it's done. These places need your help badly. You can't leave fast enough. I'm sure that Nancy Pelosi would be very happy to quickly work out free travel arrangements. That was the tweet. Meanwhile, Trump today refuses to apologize. Of course, he's doubled down saying his tweets are not racist and that the four women members of Congress who have confronted him quote hate our country and argues that he has hit on a political winner. Ben, your thoughts once again on all this. Is Donald Trump an evil genius playing 4D chess or is he just a psychopath?
1: Well, he's both. I think well, I don't know if he's an evil genius. He's evil and he's a psychopath. Uh, we'll see if he's a genius. Listen, as you always point out to me, uh, every time people underestimate Donald Trump, he proves them wrong. So so uh, he's taken the qualities that made him a, a hit on reality television, and uh, he's taken the lessons he learned from the World Wrestling Federation and turned it into a political movement that has benefited him. He was able to get elected president because of our crazy electoral system and the little assistance from Putin. And uh, so now it's he, he believes that this is a winning ticket, D, and he believes that a silent majority of Americans side with him on this. And that there's a, a majority of American, at least an electoral majority, uh, want to vote for a president who espouses such hate and a bigotry openly and that he believes that they want to uh, they want to second these attitudes so much that even if the president has policies that hurt them in terms of the environment or in terms of uh, right to choose or turns them on union particularly unions I've been doing a lot of thinking about this uh, very anti union attitudes by uh, Donald Trump very anti union policies he's believing uh, that their hatred and bigotry uh, for people of a different color will prevail and that they will vote for him even if, if the polls show that he's trailing D he's saying that they will Vote for him and lie to the pollsters. That's what he's banking on. So if he prevails, if he wins a second time around then that says more about America than it says about Donald Trump, in my humble opinion. And like I said at the start of the show, I cannot go through life believing that a majority electoral, even though the, the Electoral College is set up to benefit Donald Trump, I cannot believe at this moment in time that a majority of voters uh, agree with him. And so that's where I'm sticking with this one, D. Uh, he may be evil, but I think ultimately he will fail.
0: Prove me right, America. Prove me right. All right, we have some follow-up on all this here. Looks like the Republican leaders will formally recommend that members vote against a House resolution this evening condemning Trump's racist tweets. Politico quotes a spokesperson for leadership as saying that's a signal uh, to the rank and file that leadership is watching. The vote has become a loyalty test to party. The leadership did not need to draw such distinct battle lines or have the Democrats, by bringing the resolution, cornered the Republican into making a racist Trump tweet into a party loyalty test? In any case, it's all hands on deck now. Uh, it says here, according to a report from the White House press pool, Trump has been asked where the four House Democratic Congresswomen should go if they leave the United States. Trump says, quote, they can stay. Then attacks <laughs> Then attacks the members...
1: Wait, he said that? Take yeah. it. Oh, that's nice of you,
0: Donald. Yeah. Then he attacked the members of Congress for their critique of the conditions inside migrant detention centers at the border, which critique sparked Trump's racist tweets on Sunday. Trump accuses the members of Congress of not loving the USA. The members might reply that their whole point was that a great country like the United States can do better uh, than caging children, but in Trump's uh, rubric criticism amounts to treason. Here's the quote from Trump. It's up to them wherever they want or they can stay, but they should love our country. They shouldn't hate our country. I have clips right here. The most vile, Horrible statements about our country, about Israel, about others. It's up to them. Do what they want. They can leave. They can stay. They should love our country, and they should work for the good of our country.
1: Well, Donald Trump could leave as well. If you recall that Donald Trump's inaugural address, I went listening to those quotes from uh, the president, it reminded me, D, how dark and ominous the portrait of the the country he painted when he was sworn in. Ma- even George Bush, uh, Baby Bush, who was watching the speech, couldn't believe it. He's like, well, the I forget what he said. He said something like, "This is unbelievable." And uh, so, Donald Trump, you know, if if he's allowed to. Uh, portray america as a hor- horrific place filled with crime and bad people and are lousy leaders you know why can't democrats criticize uh the country but of course it's a losing game uh, donald trump as uh you know he is uh he he figures as i said before that he can only win in this fight that he is betting that most americans will take a look at those four women and turn against them and i keep saying this I think he's wrong. I am betting on good prevailing over bad. And I know that's a risky bet to make, especially from someone from Chicago who's been on the losing side of so many elections. What a loser. So I'm still betting on good. We'll see what our guests say, whether they agree with me or whether they say, no, Ben, evil will always triumph over good. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Speaking of evil.
0: He had a news conference today uh, and he mentioned the tweet. Uh, He said political rhetoric has become overheated. McConnell called on leaders to lower the temperature and raise the level of discourse. Oh, he! But what's what about
1: Trump's tweets? <laughs> See, that's the thing. Republicans are so afraid of uh, riling up their base, so afraid of confronting Donald Trump, so afraid of a tweet from Donald Trump that they back off and they let him define their party. He owns the Republican Party, and uh, so they're just going to have to follow him off the cliff. Where uh, well, that's uh, at the Sun Times headline: Trump's bigotry sails over the cliff. The Republican. F- Party will be following him in that fall.
0: More Republicans weighing in on Trump's tweet here as Senator and former 2012 presidential candidate Mitt Romney. Mm. I have audio. Let's see if it'll uh, give us stereo audio and it'll sound good. Let's see. Here's Mitt Romney.
3: The President of the United States has a noble and unique role to unite the country and to draw on all people, regardless of their race, their color, uh, their national origin.
0: And in that regard, the President, I think, failed. With his comments yesterday and again with the comments today. Uh, I believe it's really incumbent upon the President to bring us together. And that's a responsibility that I think he should take very seriously.
1: All right, here, here, Mitt Romney. He's the one Republican who's decided... You know, you got to play by certain rules when you're the president of the United States. You have to at least pretend, even if in your heart you don't believe it, you have to pretend you believe in diversity. You have to pretend that you believe in a country where everybody is treated equally and that you have tolerance for people who don't look like you or don't live in the same neighborhoods as you do or don't worship at the same churches or synagogues or mosques that you do, et cetera. You have to have a a, a belief in just like the... uh, like a universal uh, ideology or universal worldview that ties us together as Americans. And if you don't have that belief, then you really shouldn't be the president of the United States. It's something we tr- we teach kids in school, tolerance and don't be prejudiced and don't be bigoted and think about the consequences of what you say. And Donald Trump breaks all the rules. And Mitt Romney is at least still playing by the old rules. I got to give him credit. You know, I he's there's like three Republicans. There's Susan Collins in Maine is another one and Tim scott in south carolina uh who have been willing to sort of crit- criticize the president they make it clear they don't agree with the four uh, democratic Congresswomen, but then they criticize trump uh his rhetoric but uh whether they will join a, you know a vote a resolution condemning trump i don't know but it's at least good to see that mitt romney uh
0: will stand up for tolerance all right. Oh, uh, okay. Our good friend Johnny Joe Johnson on the YouTube live chat. He says, why aren't you guys talking about the biggest story in the country today? That alligator. Don't, Don't worry. We'll get to
1: it, Johnny. Don't worry, Johnny.
0: We'll Johnny. get to we'll it. We'll get there. We're still reading Republicans' response here to Donald Trump's tweet. Uh, how about Republican Representative Kevin McCarthy? Oh, California. He re- He weighed in here. He says, quote, let's not be false about what is happening here today. This is all about politics and beliefs about ideologies that people have.
1: Okay. So ideology is uh, a tolerance. The ideology that you put up with people who disagree with you, that you don't tell them to go back to a country, even though the country they came from in the first place is the United States is the corner of Clark and Belden. You don't, you, you, that's tolerance. I mean, that's that's your ideology. I think there's Kevin McCarthy. That shows you. That's the mentality of some of the Republicans in Congress. They're going to follow Trump off the cliff, just like Alderman. Follow Rahm. Follow Daley. Every now and then, we need a politician who's willing to stand up to his party.
0: All right. And then Kevin McCarthy was kind of grilled by reporters. The question was, were the presidents go back to your country, tweets racist? Uh, no, says McCarthy. Then he says such changes amount to a cynical political play by Democrats. This is more from their base. This is about politics. He also frames the conflict thus quote, this is about ideology. This is about socialism versus freedom. He says he will vote no on <laughs> okay. the house resolution condemning uh, socialism
1: freedom. versus freedom. Wow. All right. So,
0: uh, freedom. So uh, ask
1: McCarthy, is Colin Kaepernick free to take a knee? And still playing in the football league? Didn't think so, huh? Yeah,
0: so much for freedom. Now, of course, we'll keep you posted on these stories as today's program rolls along. People, we're going to move on. We're going to talk about what's going on locally. Yes, Johnny Joe, we're going to talk about that alligator. Because <laughs> coming up after this short little break, we're going to find <laughs> out what else is news. Don't go anywhere. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture Today's Ben Jaromsky show was brought to you in part by Chicago Architecture Center. Discover the breadth and majesty of Chicago's architecture on a Chicago Architecture Center bus tour. From bungalows to Bauhaus, our expert docents will share the fascinating stories behind our city's architecture. Book your tour at architecture.org slash tours. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm actually on a bus tour right now. Oh, my, look at that wonderful piece of architecture.
1: Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com One more time. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com
0: The Ben Show is supported by the Northwestern Summer Writers Conference. Now in its 15th year, the three-day conference held in Chicago features a diverse array of workshops, speakers, discussions, and readings. Learn more at sps.northwestern.edu slash writers. Our friends and co-hosts at the Chicago Sun-Times are offering you, yes, you, our listeners, an exclusive deal on unlimited digital access to all the stories that you love. Unlock every feature, video, and podcast just like this show, the Ben Jarofsky show by signing up now for a digital subscription for a limited time. Only you can lock in our lowest rate yet only 29 99 for a full year of all the news that you need to know, stay up to date on breaking stories, get the deep dives and investigations from Times reporters cheer for the big games with the best sports team in the city and go deep inside city hall with best in class political reporting 29 99 for a full year of unlimited access you can't do better than that. Take advantage of this exclusive deal now at suntimes.com forward slash bin. Now back to the Ben Jarofsky show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times.
1: We are live from the Chicago Sun-Times, and it's uh, local news time, and D, Breaking news. Uh, of course, you know me, I'm on my old news cycle, newspaper to newspaper. I need Brian to explain, tell me the breaking news Gator Gate. That's right. We're about to find out what's going on locally. It's time for What
0: Else is News. <laughs> Check this out. See you later, Alligator. Oh, whoa. <laughs> you like that, right? In a while, Crocodile. That's pretty good. Yeah. No, not in a while. He's gone. <laughs> That's right. That damn alligator is out of the Humboldt Park Lagoon. Oh, yeah. We got more on the story here from the Chicago Sun-Times. Freaking news. Frank Robb, an alligator expert, not Alligator Bob, (laughs) the guy with no last name, and apparent Uh. non-expert Frank Robb is the owner of the Crocodilian Specialist Services in St. Augustine, Florida. (laughs) Frank Robb. And it took him like maybe a day, maybe Uh, not even half a day. uh, He captured the alligator at about 1.30 a.m. on Tuesday. The male alligator was five feet long. Weighs between forty and fifty pounds. And the way I bet it people pictured this alligator in their head was just gigantic. Yeah. Four no. five feet long really isn't that big of an alligator. <laughs> you know, so I think it was somebody's pet. Yeah. It started off small and then it got a little up to about five feet. But I know only five feet long, weighs between forty and fifty pounds. Uh, he said that during a news conference. Rob said he snagged the gator while casting from shore. The gator was first spotted in the lagoon July 9th, setting off a chain of events that saw, among other things, a volunteer. Yeah, this guy, alligator Bob. All right, all right, easy on Bob. All right. Well, I, you know, it took him a while. It took him quite a bit of time here. But Ben, are you going to miss alligator? Are you going to miss this alligator story and uh, alligator Bob? Uh, not really. You know, I kind of forgot about it all weekend. Uh, my favorite part of the story was, A,
1: your imitation of Alligator Bob. Oh, that was, that was my guy. favorite part now, of the story. Now, come
0: on. Now, we got to get this alligator. Just a slippery little feller. I'm going to get him. Just hang tight. Y'all know alligators. I know alligators. Yeah, that's my favorite part of the
1: story. My second favorite part of the story is the relentless pursuit. By uh, the dogged journalists of the city of Chicago to find out what Alligator Bob's last name was. I was my favorite part of the story because the anybody who's labored in the journalistic vineyards of, as I have for so many years, you're taught first off the bat get the name, get the spelling, get the birthday, get the the age, all those basics. And these poor reporters, this guy would not co- cooperate and give him his last name. So they were uh, every article uh, Alligator Bob, who would not reveal his last name. Well, so
0: he's he's gone unscathed scathed because he
1: didn't catch the thing and we still don't know his last name and then uh, on a personal level i'm really glad they caught uh, the alligator because a good friend of the show micah as you know was supposed to be out there writing his book on bernie sanders mm-hmm. but my reports from my inside sources tell me he was hanging out of the Humboldt park lagoon with the hipsters from logan square watching the alligator gates so micah get back to that computer write that book on bernie sanders and come back and report on it and uh, so I'm glad that the alligator was caught so all those hipsters and uh, Millennials in the Humboldt Park and Logan Square can get back
0: to work. Several on, several onlookers lamented the Humboldt Park alligators capture this morning. Uh, here's a quote from a gentleman here uh, he says, "I'm sad to see him go." <laughs> Because it was actually pretty nice to have him here. Yeah, then they kicked everybody out of the park. Remember that, day? <laughs> That's
1: the first thing uh, Alligator Frank did. Get out of the park. Since Keep here, it brought a lot park. of
0: publicity to Humboldt Park, and people from all over came to try and see it. Right. Let's see here. But uh, some people weren't so happy here. A person walking a dog was quoted in oh, this story. A okay. ah, <laughs> bit of a different take her take on the alligator yeah. being gone good now we have the park back <laughs> <laughs> well, i can understand like i said they kicked everybody out of the park like I said, need needed quiet
1: you know the we need quiet here and then the papers started getting in on it like typically the newspapers always sternly admonishing us to do the right thing come on citizens do the right thing leave the park that was what they were saying <laughs> leave the park so
0: anyway yeah it took away the park that
1: alligator like cleared out the
0: park i'm dude. telling you it was like looney tunes between alligator bob and that uh alligator it was like Yosemite Sam and Bugs Bunny or something because he kept setting traps and then he would evade the trap for like a whole week. <laughs> Poor Alligator Bob. Alligator then, Bob is like
1: Elmer Fudd. And, and then, you know, Brian uh, the brains of this operation, the guy who like puts this whole thing together electronically, he knows all about computers and stuff he came in, it was trash talking Alligator Bob. I came know. up with a nickname for Alligator Rob or whatever it was. it was I was like, come on man, not so hard on Alligator like, Dude, Bob. come on, who, Alligator Dumbass,
0: like whoa, <laughs> hey,
1: come on now he threw him into the lagoon. You don't say threw him under the bus, threw him into the lagoon. Man, apparently did. he did it. Uh, it was pro bono work from alligator Bob. All right. right? So, you know, somebody on. paid for uh, alligator Rob. I'm almost positive. Somebody oh, yeah. fly him up here.
0: Yeah. Cause it worked and he got it done. So yeah, someone paid this guy. Uh, let's <laughs> see here. So, um, yeah, I think that's about it here. Oh, we got Johnny Joe weighing in on the YouTube live stream chat. Hey, his real name's alligator, Robert. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no last name. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty good, yeah. Robert, Mr. Robert, just call him Mr. Robert from now on. Uh, anyway, so yeah, I'm glad they got the alligator, the stories. I'll tell you who's on that. Jen Sabella, who uh, is uh, one of the co-hosts of Girl Talk and uh, editor of Black Club, they've been riding alligator Bob and the, the alligator like it was a horse. They've been selling T-shirts. <laughs> they've been regular coverage on it. She it, she won't be able to make the show today, she said, because she's got to bundle all the T-shirts in the boxes that they've sold for it. So good for Good for block club. You know what I'm saying? If it's good for them, it's good for the city of Chicago. So there you go. I'm glad the alligator was in the lagoon.
0: So there you are. Just like that. You're now in the know of what's going on locally. Yeah. Slow news day. And now you'll have an answer the next time someone asks you, hey, what else is news? Let me tell you something that uh, Alligator Bob. Okay. Alligator
1: Rob. And... Tony Joe White, singer of uh, Pope Salad Annie, Gator Got Your Granny. They all agree. You did a great job. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. We got a L. Dragón drag on coming on when we return.
4: We got to get down to business.
1: Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com One more time. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com
0: Hey there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky show you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times online, chicago.sun-times.com; The Chicago Reader online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for the Ben Jarofsky show, J O R A. V in victory, S-K-Y. So let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at Chicago.Suntimes.com, ChicagoReader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show.
4: We knew three things. The first one is a hostile foreign government attacked our twenty sixteen election for the purposes of helping Donald Trump get elected. Right. Part two, candidate Donald Trump welcomed the help. Yeah. Part three, when the federal government tried to investigate part one and part two, Donald Trump did everything he could to derail, stop, halt. Obstruct mm-hmm. that investigation right. that is a violation of the law. Mm-hmm. Yeah If he were anyone other than president of the United States, mm-hmm. he would be in handcuffs yeah. And indicted and muller served that up and mm-hmm. says basically by the time you get to the end of the report there are all the facts multiple examples mm-hmm. of obstruction of justice I can't indict right It's up to Congress. I came up to the same conclusion, Senator. Oh, wow. (laughs) So I read that and I thought, Mm. you know, I didn't take an oath to support Donald Trump. I took an oath to support the Constitution of the United Mm -hmm. States. (laughs)
0: commercial break over welcome back to the ben jarofsky show
1: Yes, indeed. We are back. Uh, Adolfo El Mondragon, our election law expert, our southwest side political uh, <coughs> politics expert, our Ed Burke update expert, uh, and also our Trump expert. The man wears many hats. And by the way, we're going to be talking about music. The guy knows a lot about music as well. Classical music, uh, rock and roll music, soul music, Everything, folk man. music, Mexican music, all kinds of music. It's, and uh, But we're not going to talk about music. Uh, we're going to be talking about politics all right Adolfo first of all welcome back thank you and uh uh first question right off the bat Donald Trump I know you've been following it uh (laughs) Uh, is he uh crazy like a fox or is he just a racist lunatic he's
5: a racist lunatic he's just a stupid motherfucker that's what he is (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. let's just go in there
1: (laughs) uh well you know I'm gonna uh play devil's advocate with you and I'll give you the crazy like a fox uh spin on it and I'm gonna read from a quote from a New York Times article that quotes, hold on, let me find, I just read the quote too. Uh, It quotes a Democratic consultant, so this person's of the Democratic persuasion, right? and uh, got the bizarre name of Belcher, not making that up, and he says, he's crazy like a fox and it only makes perfect sense for him to go back to what got him here in the first place, which is driving this racial angst in the electorate. To a certain extent, the electorate already gets that Donald Trump is a racist and he says racist offensive things, so of course, uh, you have to condemn what he says as a matter of principle, But from a strategic standpoint, uh, does it get you anything to fall into what he clearly wants, the battle to be fought on? It's almost like he's picking the battlefield for 2020. Your thoughts on what Mr. Belcher had to say? Yeah,
5: I think that makes him out to be smart when it's generally just basically a gut instinct that he goes with. I think that Trump is an idiot, and I think that he has – he has – self-confidence immense self-confidence in himself and therefore whenever he thinks that he has a good reaction he goes with it and like gambling when you put all your chips in on a number sometimes you hit and then you seem like you're fucking you know the wizard at the craps table or whatever and when you don't you crap out big time and i think if you look at all his plays it's like if he went to the casino, most of the time he loses and very few times he's ever won. <laughs> That's
1: a very good yeah. point. Right? Yeah.
5: So when he wins at the table, you know, everyone lauds him. Oh, look, he won. You know, he won big. He Oh, he's such a genius. He's playing this, you know, 3D chess or whatever. <laughs> You yeah. don't know how many times I've heard that from smart people. I, which part? The, 3D part? the three D chess part. Oh, he's so ahead of us. Yeah. He's just like, I'm just like, dude. The emperor has no clothes. Yeah, yeah. you know. And I think um, that's what appeals to a lot of people. I think the fact that um, he has this immense bravado, he has this uh, immense self confidence. I have a friend I went to Yale with. Okay. Immensely smart guy. Really successful lawyer. And when I met him in college, he's from Tennessee. He was a Southern Democrat. <clears throat> uh, but he loved Huey Long. Okay? Okay. So you know that that could go
1: to the extremes Huey stuff. Long, the great politician for Louisiana. <clears throat> yeah.
5: And uh, years later, connected with him again. This is the guy who got, um, what's his name? Uh, a Wesley Snipes... Um, Out of the tax fraud stuff that the government had against them. Okay, okay? wow. So really bright friend. Yes, this is my friend. He got Wesley Snipes. His name is Robert Barnes, and in fact, he became a little bit famous lately because well, he's been doing a lot of conservative stuff lately. But he also bet on the presidential election. He bet. He went to Europe. And he bet huge on Trump and he won tons of money. I think he told me about this yeah, guy. So he yeah. made
1: money. Well, good for you, Barge.
5: You only want to profit
1: <laughs> profited from Trump. But
5: I knew this guy as a very liberal Democrat. Yeah. And now it seems to me that he has a very strong libertarian left wing, mm-hmm. left streak in him. But he also has this immense conservative thing going on now that he, he rationalizes that still being part of this Huey Long type of thing. Okay, And he loves Trump. And what he loves about Trump is that he's immensely confident in himself. So um, about a year and a half ago, this guy came in, Barnes came into um, Chicago to do an an argument before the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals for some former colleagues he has in Wisconsin. A very good case, actually, a civil rights case. A a prisoner got beat up and died and stuff like that. And so he went and gave this awesome oral argument. I mean, the dude is brilliant.
1: You you were there. You watched it. I
5: was there. I watched it. But beforehand, he told me afterwards, he told me as we were having beers, that beforehand what he was doing is he was channeling his inner Trump. (laughs) And he wanted to go out there, you know, like fearless and shit. And I think that that's what people love about Trump. That right or wrong or whatever, it just shit slides off of him because... He just keeps moving forward. He doubles down on his, it, it, you know, idiot moves and tries to make them look like wins.
1: All right. Well, let's just think about this in terms of uh, as a gambling, uh, as, as a man uh, playing odds uh, and playing a, a game, a poker game. A game of chance, okay, yeah. So it, it, our system, our system of government, we don't have a real uh, democracy. Actually, not
5: a poker game because that takes skill. But a game of chance,
1: let's say. Our game of chance, some, all, right, you know. so, all right, so follow. Uh, and a game of chance, it's crap. So follow me on this. Our system, it's, it's not straight up d- democracy. We have this crazy electoral college system uh, that works to Trump's advantage. He knows starting the game when he's rolling the dice that I forget how many number. I used to know this by heart, a certain number of electoral uh, voters are with him right. automatically. Right. There's no mm-hmm. way Alabama's gonna go for anybody right. but Trump, Mississippi, and uh, Arkansas et cetera, Oklahoma, et cetera, and so forth, Wyoming, Idaho. So you put that in one spot. So then it comes down to uh, like like five or six swing states. Right. And his gamble is that his bravado and his open uh, appeals to prejudice and bigotry will prevail with swing voters in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and uh, where is, what is the other third one? Uh, Michigan. Right. he's That's his gamble. Right. And it uh, worked in 2016. But it
5: worked for because it, it was like a perfect storm of stuff that worked. I think that if you re- replay that 10 times, he craps out like seven of those 10 times. I think that he won because not only did he have his game tight in terms of this bravado stuff and... But what helped them is a little bit of the Russian stuff. I don't put too much. on Oh, my on the God. Russia I
1: stuff. put a lot on the Russian stuff. We could talk about more, that. More than
5: that is that the Democrats <laughs> insisted on a, a very unpopular candidate because it was her turn. It was her turn. And so even though they and they they got lazy, they didn't go to some place because it was her turn. It was her turn.
1: By the way, I, I've i been going around on my uh, apology tour, my You Were Right a tour. Hell yeah. Okay. But you know, those Clintonites are still, they
5: hate Bernie. The women Clintonites hate Bernie with a passion. I see it all over Facebook.
1: Well, okay. They hate
5: him. Just as much as they hated Obama when he won, but then they quickly changed the tune on Obama once he became I president. I don't
1: believe the, um, okay, and this is where the Russians come in. I do not believe. I've lived through both campaigns obsessively following them. 2008, when Hillary lost to uh, Barack Obama. 2016, when Bernie lost to Hillary. Mm -hmm. The uh, passion of Hillary voters who, uh, regarding Obama, Uh, faded quickly.
5: But they hated him.
1: Well, they hated him. But it faded. And it faded, I think, for two reasons. One, uh, Obama and Hillary we sort team, of cut from the same cloth. Team of rivals. He yeah. brought her in. He said, right. "Okay, brought I'm her in immediately." And she—I don't know if you remember this. She had this uh, big speech in front of a huge crowd of people, and she—he stepped back and allowed her that. Cut moment. deals, dude. And they cut. They cut deals. They cut he deals. was going to pay off yeah. her debt and all that stuff. Uh, and and very important. The Republican, uh, the 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 um, Russian hackers did not get into private emails of the Clinton campaign and the Obama campaign to reveal the mean, nasty things they said each other, and you know they said it about each other because it's private email. And in 2016, the Russians were able to inflame those rivalries uh, between. Uh, Sanders people and Clinton people and those rivalries were greater in 2016 than the 2008 I, 2008 I agree because Bernie represented a different faction Absolutely. if you will Absolutely,
6: and eight
5: years already of non-prosperity had already occurred
1: yeah so I, well okay, non-prosperity for, for the for the majority pe- of the people yes this country and, and which is continuing yes yeah, so Obama
5: saved the country but after that all this inequality, just you know, kaboom.
1: but you can't minimize right. the impact of releasing those emails. No, at I, I think that I think I think
5: that that's what I'm saying. It was a perfect storm yeah. of things, and uh, because if you play role play it again, and you take some of those elements out or you switch them around, I think. Uh, Trump doesn't win.
1: All right, now listen. So many people come on the show, and they tell me, Ben, I'm naive. Ben, I live in a bubble. Ben, I got to get out there more. So every single person that comes on the show will be my get out there and have seen the world uh, right. viewpoint. You grew up in Chicago, but right. the southwest side of Chicago. <clears throat> you went to Curie High School. Uh, you still live on the southwest side. How popular is the Trump rhetoric uh, in your neck of the woods?
5: It's not very, but there are elements of... Conservative people within the Latino community that buy the Trump stuff. My brother's a cop. I think he's already kind of fading out on Trump, but I can't tell you how many Latino cops love Trump. They love Trump. I see it on Facebook all the time. I don't see black cops saying that.
1: Now, why is that? Why that distinction between? Think about this. Uh, you just think about this. They're both cops. Mm -hmm. They're both from Chicago. They both deal with the same set of realities in Chicago. When they go out in the streets, they're facing the same challenges uh, as everybody else. Because we got
5: it better than blacks, dude. On the hierarchy, we're just a notch above them, and therefore we don't feel it as much as black people do. In terms of discrimination, we get discriminated all the time. Don't get me wrong. Our world is full of discrimination, but it is not entirely consumed like it is a black person's life from the from from birth through on if you're black your whole world is about racist institutions racist attitudes everything if you're latino you got a little more wiggle room you know
6: mm-hmm.
5: and if you're light skin you know i mean if you're light skin black you couldn't pass so much but if you're light skin latino you could you know if you're white <laughs> essentially you know
1: you could get by very well so i think that that's part of it and what about uh, Latino cops, in regard who, when they see what Trump does in terms of vilifying and demonizing immigrants who are coming, many of them are probably Mexican American, yeah. and, the and their he- parents were
5: the same people that he's denigrating. <laughs> but so, somehow they rationalize in their head, yeah. "Well, no, the people that came in my parents' generation was different." They worked hard and blah, blah, blah. These people were, you know, no good. These people are, you know, Malatrucha, you know, from El Salvador, MS gang members and all this other bullshit. So they rationalize it in different ways. I think that that's the, that's what they do. You know, like, oh, these are not the same kind of immigrants that were coming 30, 40 years ago. those came to work. These dudes are, you know, fleeing gangs and, you know, all they come here is to, you know, collect the welfare check and all this other bullshit.
1: And, you know, it really is because the reality, as I see it, the people again. oh, Ben, you're from Chicago. But in Chicago, as I see it, immigrants who come to this country from, take your pick of Mexico, El Salvador, whatever, mm. are like the best citizens. Right. We got, you know, I mean, I can't think, think about of, it. I look. don't think <laughs> of it as a problem. I never, never, it never dawned on me that anybody would think it is a problem with
5: it's beyond me, but it's um, it's that rationalization that you have to make, whether you're white or whether you're conservative Latino, a Cuban conservative Cuban or conservative Mexican or whatever. Oh, they didn't do it the way we you know did it. We we worked for it, even though you know whatever It's all a bunch of bullshit.
1: Yeah, and it uh, and Donald Trump plays into that. Oh, totally. And
5: so I think you were talking uh, to Maya last week about how. You know, what do you have to do to win this race? You know, Mm -hmm. either I think she said something about um, either you have to figure out what's the common denominator between all these Trump lovers right Mm -hmm. across the board or you, uh, you know, you go register like tons of people and you beat them out. Right. Mm -hmm. It could be a combination of both things or whatever. Right. But I don't think you really can. If you look at it in terms of finding some common denominator, I don't see any common denominator that's going to. Convince a racist all of a sudden, you know, to go against Trump. But I think what you have to do is, you have to expose him for the phony or fraud that he is to the base, or you have to expose him as a weak. He no longer is this invincible guy to them. So you have to strip him. The emperor has no clothes. Basically, you have to take that message to the Trumpists because they like him because of his bravado. Then show him that he's a weak, lean fool, mm-hmm. right? That he isn't this smart you know motherfucker who you know shaft like whatever dude right then that's what you got to do you got to you got to you got to bully the bully in front of them and then what happens when you bully a bully in front of all his, uh, all his supporters they're just like oh dude you know and they walk away uh, you either you either got to do that or you got to demonstrate to them why this dude is a liar because they believe him they believe him all the time you could show them and tell them how he lies and they're still like i don't care that's a bunch of lies i believe him yeah Show them how it hurt them in their pocket, all these policies and stuff, and then you'll see these people Well,
1: I, um, <clears throat> I have to say that uh, I wrote down when you were talking about Democrats and their view of Trump. Democrats are so psychologically scarred still from 2016. So many Democrats. I know because I coming in the show, I talk right, to them, right. and they just, they, they're almost like in a fetal position. You know, they like, <laughs> we're gonna lose, you know, you know, this is fatalistic attitude, and because uh, they, they view, this is I think embedded in what this fellow Belcher what a name uh, was saying uh, it, it, that. It, you know, whenever Donald Trump does something outrageous, it's like wow, he's G, you know what I mean. Right. He's that's he knows exactly what he's doing. Right. He's playing into the crowd. So
5: you said that you used the right word, fatalism, and fatalism means that, that basically you've already decided to lose. And I, I think you're right. I think Democrats like Pelosi are playing to lose. People who tell you that Biden's the guy are playing to lose.
1: We have some people coming in this uh, who
5: are uh, Biden supporters. B- they're the same people were telling you that from the beginning. <laughs> they're changing the story on Bernie. Bernie's a ni- in the beginning. Bernie's a nice guy, but he has no chance. Oh, now he has a chance. Bernie's a nice guy, but you know what? It's it's Hillary has all this you know experience. Blah blah. Yeah. Oh shit. Oh, Bernie's been doing. You know. Um. Uh, Bernie can't win. Bernie fucking can't win. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. No, he can't win. He can't win. He can't win. And then, oh, it's your fault, Bernie, that Trump won. Yeah. You know, that, that's, that's, that was the rhetoric. And that's the same thing with Biden. It's going to happen. You better vote for Biden. Biden's the only one who could win. Biden barely won and he lost against Trump because you people wouldn't vote for Biden. That's the bullshit that's going to happen. No. Bernie, Bernie would have won. Bernie is still the only one who could probably beat him. All right. And I'll tell you another thing in terms of my thing about what you got to do to beat Trump. Yeah. You have to be a candidate that is able to fight back in terms of avoiding being buffooned or uh, ridiculed with a nickname And I know that sounds stupid And not academic or whatever But you ask Lying Ted You ask Little Marco And you ask Crooked Hillary If those nicknames didn't fuck them up
1: Yeah, but he's got nicknames for everybody He
5: does, but some stick And when they get traction, that's it He owns you And right now, I'm sorry I like, I like Elizabeth Warren But that Pocahontas is so denigrating She is so fucked up with the Pocahontas. He owns her. Just like when he was talking about Hillary and getting schlonged and all this other stuff. Dude, he owns her. Once he starts, once he has traction with a nickname and he starts denigrating you with it and people laugh and all that other stuff, that's it. He fucking owns you. So right now, Elizabeth Warren is out, in my view. Um, Who's the other one that's already burned? Joe Biden with Creepy Joe. That's it. Buttigieg is, is, his name is begging to be ridiculed and it'll stick. The only people right now that I see from the top five is Bernie, who's been able to um, not have a nickname stick to him, and Kamala Harris, but we'll see. She likes to tussle, so she might give back. She might be able to stand up to Trump, but if he finds a nickname for her, forget about it. It's done. Mark my words. It's a stupid little thing. It's a non-academic thing, but... It's, it's, it's It speaks to people. Once he, he has a name and he figures it out, that's it.
1: Right, you burned. know what? I'm gonna uh, we, we got to keep this tape, the uh, D, because uh, we have uh, Sergio coming on the show this Friday, and he's a wrestling expert. The guy uh, he has a, a podcast. Sergio Mims. Uh, no, no, different Sergio. Oh, I was going to say. And um, and so uh, and, and it, I, I always throw to him. How do you deal with Trump? Because he studies wrestling, he studies mixed martial arts, he studies. Well, think that about fight. it; it's
5: the art of of wrestling too. You vilify some guy with exactly. the, with a nickname and stuff. It's the art; it's that theater, that theater of you know the outrageous
1: See, and the absurd. I don't. Buy, again, you're speaking fatalistically. I don't buy into exactly. I know exactly what you're saying. I know that he he effectively uh, stopped Elizabeth Warren's momentum with that that nickname. Oh. But I believe Elizabeth Warren has regained some of her momentum. I do among not, the Democrats.
5: Among the Democrats, but not, not nationwide on a toe-to-toe. He she could she may win the Democratic um nomination. I'm not saying that. Yeah. I'm saying if she goes one to one against Trump, Trump owns her. That nickname see, is so fucked up, dude. See, I, I understand that. And de- he played into it with the DNA thing. He owns I hear, her. Like I in the playground. He under, owns her.
1: I understand. She stumbled out of the gates. I understand that. But I again It's the same principle. It's the same principle that you think that Donald Trump will prevail with, let's say, uh, women voters in suburban uh, Cook County or suburban DuPage County or the equivalents thereof in uh, Wisconsin and Michigan because he makes fun of Elizabeth Warren. I don't buy into that. I, be, I believe what you're doing actually is is sort of Ask con- little Marco. And you're, you're contradicting what you just got finished saying that you're taking the lessons from 2016 and applying them universally. And this is what this guy Belcher did too. It's, it's the a,
5: bravado. That's part of the bravado about finding a nickname. So so you if have counterpunch. You, so you got a counterpunch. You got a
1: counterpunch. So Hillary Clinton didn't counterpunch. No, she didn't. She didn't counterpunch. So, so Elizabeth I I think, Warren would have to. But yes. But, there you go.
5: But. For her to counter punch from, dude, that Pocahontas name is so fucked up, man. <laughs> okay. It is so okay, fucked up. the record man. for most cursing. In oh segment. man, definitely <laughs> goes it to is. you today. <laughs> All
1: right, time he, out. You
5: know, if it was another name, something very different. What does he have for Bernie?
1: He's got one for Bernie. He's he? got like crazy, crazy Bernie, Bernie or something.
5: But dude, that 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 doesn't nowhere.
1: work because it doesn't bother you. And no, it's no, no, no. Nancy it's Pelosi's it's, name, no crazy Nancy. Yeah, he's, he's he, crazy. He throws a runny. Hasn't found one for Nancy yeah, Pelosi exactly. either. And, and
5: as not stuck like. Jaga hasn't stuck either But that name is just begging to be You know for, for a name It's just he has to find the right one that's to uh,
1: click with people. All right. So were, were you impressed by anybody out of the, from the, we haven't talked to you since the debates. No. Uh,
5: other than debates. Bernie. Uh,
1: I didn't watch him. I'll tell you the
5: truth.
6: What? I didn't watch him. I watched
5: everybody's response uh, to it I love because him. I already know who my guy, my, look, my, still with Bernie. my, hierarchy is Bernie, Elizabeth Warren. And from there, it's a toss up on definitely not Buttigieg. Um, I love my man Castro, but he has no chance nationwide Dude, he's among Democrats. He's got 1% <laughs> tracking, man. Come on. He's there. For like the vice position or something like yeah. that, and I love the Castro brothers. I met one of them. I met Joaquin. Joaquin's a good friend of a college friend of yeah. mine. Um, so don't get me wrong. I, I like them. I like what Julian. How apparently he performed really well by giving some kind of new answer about trans people and and uh, Medicare. What, what he like did,
1: that. what he did very effectively in that first debate. Uh, and he, I I don't think Beto O'Rourke will ever... Uh, oh, no, no, Beto, <laughs>
5: Beto needs to get she, out and run should have been a,
1: Yeah, he shouldn't have been in the race to begin with. But what he did, it, uh, he very effectively uh, uh, broke down the whole issue of criminalizing immigrants who come across the border. And he, he very effectively, in my humble opinion, uh, showed the dif- difference between himself and Beto on that issue. So it's like, nice. for what it's worth... He did a good job, in my opinion, of explaining the issue in a way a voter could understand it, and also sort of undercutting the, guy, the his right, main rival. Right, right. But you're right; he's still left with one yeah, percent of yeah, the yeah. vote. Yeah, I mean,
5: he's out there just to make a name for himself, and not like Beto. Beto, you would think normally would be just out there to put. main... No, he's out there supposedly to win, but he's not going to win at all. Yeah. So I, again, my uh, my top two are Bernie and Elizabeth. But dude, Elizabeth's cooked with that name, man. She's I'm sorry, she's not winnable.
1: All right. Well, we'll 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 come back. To this one, through I disagree with you And, on and I like her. No, I, she's I, know my number two. I know you do. She's my number two. I know, but see, you're pl- again. I'll repeat what I said. You're playing into the same fatalistic card that you no, just no, no, were no, deriding. No, no. I'm not.
5: I'm not. I'm, uh, I, I, I'm not playing into it. I'm saying I. I'm saying that because she just doesn't have a punch. It's like boxing. Styles make fights. Okay, you know that refrain in boxing, yeah. right? You have two guys; one's a boxer puncher, one's a brawler. You know they say styles make fights. So th- there's reasons why the boxer puncher might outdo the brawler or whatever. Styles make fights, and Elizabeth Warren's style. And I love her. She's great. She's smart. She has all these things going for her, but she cannot
1: match up to a Trump style. All right. Well, let's. Uh, I, I your your uh, homework assignment is to watch the next debate. You and check out Kamala Harris because she, that's the one. I yeah. that's
5: the one who she 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 the one thing she can Kamala counterpunch. Harris she can counter punch. But here's the thing, I hate her as a dem because she's this you know conservative uh, prosecutor sending little kids to jail for truancy and all this other bullshit. Hey, but this her. is
1: my urge. Uh, yeah, to I know. All if Democrats, she wins, if she wins, go her. I'll go. To, you voted for Hillary. Hey,
5: yeah, exactly. You know. My whole family did. <laughs> I, you know, I didn't. I didn't. You're even your brother? No, not my brother. I don't <laughs> okay. think. I don't think he did. Probably. <laughs> but, but, but everyone. You know, my 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 point is, and I I don't. I think most Democrats voted for Hillary anyway.
1: Like, oh, absolutely. I think yeah. overwhelming. Well, no, there was
5: and a- I don't think that that margin uh, did any, anything for here, her to lose. This, was-
1: this proves your point. There was a good column by Michelle Goldberg in today's New York Times, which I've been meaning to quote. I haven't. Hold it. I'm going to open up a New York Times. I hope I quoted. It. Yeah, here we go. Um, and... Uh, uh, if after African-American turnout in 2016 had matched 2012, Hillary Clinton would most likely be in the White House. The number of votes cast for left-wing spoiler Jill Stein exceeded Trump's margin of victory in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. Nine percent of people who voted for Barack Obama in 2012 voted for Trump four years later, but seven percent of 2012 Obama voters didn't vote at all. Seven yeah, percent of Obama—that's the election right there. That's the
5: people stayed home. Yeah. Now who did vote for Jill? No,
1: China I never bought into that. I say that all the time in this show. I, I've oh, but to some this of day, my best friends, Clintonites, will tell you that. Oh, Come man, on, man. they'll. You know. I know, but you can't. It's. I listen. I've been having some arguments for years. I've been having arguments in 2020 about Ralph Nader in Florida. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Stop yeah, blaming exactly. Ralphie <laughs> Exactly. No one blamed Ross Perot when Clinton won, right? In fact, oh, that now that's my other thing. Uh, you
5: know, I, no one blamed his ass, I, right? Uh, I was
1: just I was just reflecting on this. I had to give a public apology to Kitty Kurth. I did that on the show. The, we had the bonus segment. Kitty Kurth, this is ancient history, okay. was supporting Paul Songus in 1992, and uh, she was uh, she was a young publicist and i was a young writer and she was telling me ben you got to write about sanges and i was like clinton 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 <laughs> and i now realize that bill clinton has been just uh cancer for the Democratic oh, Party. Oh,
5: totally from the beginning.
1: Yeah, and uh, and people uh, are always telling me, Ben, get over it. Uh, don't look. They always tell me, don't look back. You got to look forward. That's something else. They always tell me. Exactly. But it's hard to get out from underneath the uh, the Bill Clinton umbrella, if you will. You know what right. I'm saying? And. Um, uh, I've been. T- uh, I
5: never trusted that sucker from the beginning. No, I, that was my first election. Yeah, presidential and any election.
1: But you voted for him?
5: No, I voted for for Daddy Bush.
2: The first Whoa. time I voted for Revelation. I, I voted for the the the, the
5: status quo. And uh, you were 18 years old. Yeah, I voted. You were for, just out of Curie High School. I was at, at Yale my oh, first that, semester. That, that no, I no, no, Clinton, Clinton the both Clintons <laughs> yeah, go back right. to Yale. <laughs> But I never trusted that Southern hick. Did you I vote for him know. in 96? Over- uh, yeah, I voted okay. for him because by then I was like, well, you know, I
1: got to vote. Whatever. <laughs> All right. Now, before we uh, take a break, I have to ask you about the ICE raids or the threat of the ICE raids, right. the impact it had uh, on communities throughout the city of Chicago. It, what impact it had? Was it uh, Trump blowing smoke? Or- I think
5: uh, it bodes well for society because we organized. And uh, basically, I think that the efforts to... Notify individuals of their rights, and also to be out there on the streets and report any sightings of ice. Really mitigated, uh, you know, their efforts because uh, I, I followed a little bit in New York. There might have been like one or two people who were rounded up in New York, and maybe one here in Chicago, something mm-hmm. like that. And there was they really really thwarted their effort. Now that doesn't mean they're not coming back next week and doing it when everyone's asleep. But um, but I, I thought that it boded really well that. Even even politicians, both here and I saw in New York, my friend Robert Rodriguez, who's mm-hmm. a assemblyman in New York, mm-hmm. he was out in uh, in East Harlem, and he was out there with his people, you know, passing out information, holding workshops and stuff like that. Here, I know that Byron Sitchko in in Pilsen, uh, I think was um, had a workshop for people at um, one of the Pilsen organizations, and uh, and I know on the north side too, various of the other Latino. Um, Alderman. So I think it, it it's a nice sign that people mm. are organizing.
1: All right. That's uh, El Dragon, Atofo Mandragon. Uh, Erica next in the studio. We're going to bring her on when we return. Hey. Playing now at Steppenwolf Theater, the world premiere of Ms. Black for President. It's inspired by the true, that's true as it it really happened, T-R-U-E story of Joan Det Black, America's first drag queen presidential candidate. You know who created it, D. No. It was created by Tony nominee Tina Landau. Oh. And you know who else created it? No. Oscar winner Terrell Alvin McCraney. You know him. Moonlight. Oh, 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 yeah. yeah. For tickets, visit Steppenwolf.org. That's Steppenwolf, like the rock group from the sixties. Hang tight,
0: millennials. (laughs) And for the record, I love puppies. Today's Ben Jaromsky Show was brought to you in part by Chicago Architecture Center. Get to know your city on one of Chicago Architecture Center's 65 walking tours. Hear the unforgettable secrets and stories behind Chicago Architecture from our expert docents. Book your tour at architecture.org slash tours. Now if you'll excuse me, I'm actually on a tour right now. Oh wow, look at that building! Get a special discount for Illinois residents from July 15th to August 15th. All Illinois residents get 50% off select walking tours. Visit architecture.org slash il-resident. Awesome Today's Ben show is brought to you in part by Green Element Resale. It's located at 6241 North Broadway. And people, it's amazing. Furniture, appliances, lamps, books, clothes, electronics. It's a thrift shop, but it's the only thrift shop in Chicago that helps bring you the Ben Jarofsky Show. So if you're ever on Broadway between Granville and Devon, tell them thank you and go check out Green Element Resale, 6241 North Broadway, and find more information at greenelementresale.com. I've seen a whole lot of catfish, some turtles. Uh, no gators yet, though. All right, everybody, hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky Show. Is just moments away, but before we get into that, we need to thank the following unions once again for jumping on board and helping bring back our program. First up, it's the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, not Aerosmith, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union Number 9. And a big thank you to the Chicago Federation of Labor as well. And, of course, we have to thank one more union. That's the union of one of our good friend. Who is it? Uh, um, Ed Maher. What's the union he's in, Ben? Operating engineers. Local 150. right. Come on, right. man. Give me that ball. That was excellent. <laughs> good job because I sure couldn't find it on my little script here. All right. The Ben Jaroski Show, hour number two, starts now. It is Tuesday, July 16th, and live from the Chicago Sun times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, we still got Adolfo Mondragon in studio. We welcome host of the Girl Talk, Erica Wozniak, and it's the return of Jerry Brown and Tom Shepard, the Southside Political Know It Alls. And now your host, also a political know-it-all, Chicago Raider columnist, Ben Jarofsky. Yes, indeed. Erica is in the studio. Erica
1: is in the studio. Jerry Brown and Tom Shepard are on the way. The Southside Political know it alls they tell me. They're going to come in and give us a ringing endorsement of Joe Biden. I'm going to get a lot of ringing endorsements of Joe Biden in this show. Uh, Most people come in the show. Dude, he went down in the polls. You yeah, know that, right? He trashed Joe Biden. And uh, But uh, Jerry Brown, I think, is going to come in here determined to uh, change our minds about uh, Joe Biden. So I look forward to that. Uh, uh, his efforts on that front. Do you got an update for us?
0: Absolutely. Let's talk about money, huh? Ooh, money, yeah. money, money. I can I borrow some? <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> sure, whatever. All right, let's see here. Campaign disclosure reports filed this week that the State Board of Elections show Danny Solis, alderman of Ben Ward, or former alderman of Ben Ward, 25th. Wow, what a Come. dork. <laughs> he didn't even need notes or anything. He knew that just from the top of his head. Yeah, Salise, former longtime chairman of the City Council Zoning Committee, paid $220,000 to the law firm of Foley and Lardner LLP through his 25th Ward regular democratic organization fund. Solis made the payment May 21st after transferring $85,000 from his other campaign fund citizens for Daniel Solis. According to the second quarter report, neither Solis nor Lisa Noller, the former federal prosecutor who represents the disgraced former alderman could be reached for comment, but Ben Jarofsky, we can reach you for comment. <laughs> what do you think about that? Uh, well, he's he's funneling money over to a law
1: firm. The guy is uh, w- had been wearing a wire for the feds. Uh, I'm gonna figure out. Yeah,
5: but is that is that a usage for his uh, political campaign? I mean. Um, I, why, why should they be allowed to pay, you know, from those funds yeah. money to attorneys for something that's very personal, and individual? I, right?
1: that is a great question. And, uh, I do not know all the ins and outs of election yeah, you my looked, election yeah, law yeah, lawyer. Yeah, I, Well,
5: I, I haven't looked up the, cause this doesn't happen very often. Yeah. Well, it does actually, it does happen more often than we think. Right. But, um, yeah, th- th- there should be something wrong with that those campaign you can't even buy yourself suits or haircuts and stuff with that money because that's personal okay. while you're on the campaign so why should you be you able know. to pay uh, you know a top 25 law firm for your criminal defense yeah.
1: uh, Eric yeah. you know something about this you just got finished running for alderman in the 46th ward uh, I, I presume you don't have nearly a, much of the uh, the treasure chest that Danny Solis has <laughs> no. uh, but do, are, do, you know, do, do you know what the rules are regarding what you could do with leftover money
2: listen I I still have a little, well, first of all, my name is Erica Wozniak. I am a Chicago public school teacher. Uh, but I, yeah, in my recent run for Alderman, I have a, a little bit of money left over, uh, thank goodness. I didn't have to go into any debt to run for office, and that's why we need campaign finance reform. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, I certainly couldn't get out, go out and get a haircut uh, using that money. I mean, that, that money needs to be used for campaign resources yeah. and that's it
1: so well in addition to being a chicago public school teacher in a district in addition to being a aldermanic candidate you are also co-host of girl talk and uh, a regular on our show to promote Girl Talk. And I was all set to say, oh, what do you got in July? And then you told me you're taking the month off. So all Girl Talk listeners out there, uh, there will be no uh, show in July, correct?
2: Yes, as we've stated on our our Facebook, we need to uh, make sure that we focus all of our attention on Chance the Snapper and what's going on in Humboldt Park. Yeah. Um, So we're taking the month of July off, but we will be back on August 27th with a very special guest, which hopefully you'll invite us back to promote then. All right, very good.
1: (laughs) Yes, uh, you are always welcome on the show, but we're not allowed to say who that special guest is because all the uh, I's haven't been dotted and the T's crossed. Uh, But I hear it's going to be one heck of a show. Let's just put it that way. We
2: are excited.
1: Um, All right. So put on your um, uh, political hat for a moment. We've been talking a lot today about Donald Trump's uh, tweets and rhetoric regarding uh, the four congresswomen of the Democratic persuasion. And um, so the debate here has been around whether uh, uh, Trump is just an out and out racist uh, or if he's a racist, racist, uh, smart like a fox. Uh, And and um i have my opinions on this i'm just curious of what your opinions do you think this is an effective political tactic for donald trump
2: no i mean i i think that yeah he's a downright racist so what i mean what he's saying and the way he's going about it um he's attacking for really Um, amazing women of color who are representing their constituents. And when you're attacking those elected officials, you're also attacking the folks who elected them. Um, And so it's disappointing. It's atrocious that our president thinks that, you know, this is normal behavior. Um, And obviously the country is, the country is, completely flabbergasted by i mean but it continues it's like what's the surprise here he continues to do this and it's it's almost like deflecting he wants us to talk about this so that we don't have to talk about what's really going on and that's what really scares me each time something like this comes up what else is really going on
1: Mm -hmm. well i actually this is where i've been accused of being naive Uh, and some of the people who may accuse me of being naive have entered this building and will probably be making that accusation as the show uh, runs on. I do not believe this is a winning strategy. I do not believe that these kinds of appeals will will prevail for Donald Trump. And um, so I I understand your point that you made that uh, if he, when he goes off on one of these um, uh, Twitter uh, screeds, it diverts, like we were just talking about Jeffrey Epstein and we were talking about that all last week and Donald Trump's potential role in that. We were talking about the raids, uh, ice raids that were going to happen over this weekend. We were talking about his immigration policy. That's all off the chart. So I understand uh, he changes the topic, but I cannot believe this is a winning uh, strategy. You, you're from Michigan. In your opinion, <laughs> how is this playing with voters back home?
2: I mean, I, I think that they also think it's atrocious. I think anybody who is a, a human being who really cares about what's happening um, in our country cares, cares more about, you know, treating our elected officials with respect, uh, which I mean, of course, I'm saying that as I'm saying, you know, that Trump is a complete racist. So I don't, I don't know. I, I think that in Michigan, I mean, my parents are in Michigan. Hi, Mom and Dad. Um, they, they're, they're unhappy with it. Um, have you seen Knockdown Down the House? Yeah, yeah.
1: I saw it when it came out. I was at the Davis Theater. The director was there. Which, oh my yeah, gosh. I talked about it a lot. That's the documentary. It's on Netflix now, folks. You can see it. It's about four different candidates, yes. not just Alexandria Castro Cortez. She's sort of the focus of it. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, your your thoughts?
2: Well, I think that 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 documentary really illuminates what the what Alex AOC's uh, path to victory was and I think that it really shows um, how she got people mobilized it shows why people wanted to vote for her it shows how you know people are ready to go up against those who are you know with the machine whether that's in the Democratic Party whether that's in the Republican Party and I think that Trump was also elected on part of that as well that people are sick of the status quo and people are ready for you know somebody new Um, But that documentary, I bring it up because it it just it really speaks to the path to victory for women um, and especially women of color. So I think that's something that, you know, everybody who's out there listening, if you haven't seen that within the first 30 minutes, just being a woman candidate, I was really moved by it. And uh, and I think that it's an important watch for anybody who hasn't seen
1: it well yeah the I don't know if we talked about this the last time we're in your show I I just can't remember but there's the opening scene in terms of Alexander Ocasio-Cortez where she's applying makeup and she's talking about how different it is uh-huh. <laughs> like for a, a, a woman running for office and as opposed to a man running for office because the the woman has to prepare her look yeah. before she goes out and like a guy and then they show Cowley who he ran against or Crowley who she ran against. And the guy looked like he hadn't combed his hair or anything like looks like me, actually. Uh,
2: And you and I, I mean, we spoke about this a while ago, right after my campaign uh, or our campaign, I should say. But that was a that was a huge thing uh, for, for our campaign was what I was wearing, what colors I was wearing, how I was wearing my hair, how I was wearing my makeup. Um, now I think that that's something that men don't have to think about. They don't have to think about if they're going to wear their hair up or down or what color they're wearing. Um, maybe in a sense, but I, I've never been a, a male candidate, but I know what it's like for a woman candidate. And yeah, within those first 30, 30 seconds, she's saying, you have two looks. If you're a man, mm-hmm. you have all of these different, you know, possibilities if you're a woman and that, you know, that was something that was, that was difficult for me just in the sense that. I'm used to being myself and wearing my makeup how I like it and wearing my hair the way that I like it. And it's it's perfectly fine. Those are very unsubstantial things at the end of the day. But um, you want to feel like you're being yourself. And I I, I think that, you know, there's women who led with being themselves. and, And I think that that's, you know, really powerful and obviously uh, Alexandria was one of those folks. Yeah,
1: in that uh, again, in that documentary, there's four candidates. Only one was victorious. They were all running. Uh, I think there was one a senatorial candidate uh, in uh, uh, West Virginia who's running oh, in the the, the prim- primary there. There was a congressional candidate in St. Louis who was running in the Democratic primary, and then there was a w- woman running in Nevada, yeah, uh, I think for Senate, and uh, they they were all total underdogs, uh, Ocasio-Cortez was the only one who prevailed.
2: And, and what all four of these women did, and obviously uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was, was victorious, but what they all did was they pushed the narrative. They mm-hmm. pushed the narrative of what they wanted uh, to get pushed yeah. and I think that anybody who's running for office there's always a victory in that and I, I take our campaign while we didn't make it all the way I take it as a victory in the sense that we pushed the narrative we got people talking about the things that we thought they should be talking about mm-hmm. and I continue to do that
1: yeah. so Eric I know in 2016 my memory is correct you were uh, for Bernie uh, in 2016, I right was. about you are Bernie yeah. and, um, Adolfo's <laughs> raising his, he was for Bernie too. Uh, and, uh, so far in the, in the campaign, uh, up until now, the, 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 The Democratic candidates have been refraining from really going hard after each other. I noticed today that Bernie's changing his his strategy and he uh, is ripping Biden. I saw that uh, over uh, uh, social media uh, and comparing uh, uh, Biden's positions on some of the issues to Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell. Um, What's your attitude about that in terms of a successful tactic for the Democrats? Do you think they should start going after each other or do you think they should uh, keep the focus on Trump?
2: Well, in 2016, I was for Bernie, and then after the primary, then I wrote uh, I wrote an article for—I'm uh, a member of the American Federation of Teachers, so I wrote an article about why I was now uh, after the primary with uh, Clinton, and I think that— you know, right now, I don't think it's necessary to be going after each other. I think we let voters decide. I think one of the biggest mistakes that any campaigns make is when you treat voters um, as if they're not smart. I mean, voters are smart. They're going to the polls. They know what they're doing. They can do their research. And I think there is a world in which, We can look at the different platforms of folks who are running for president of the United States and we can say, I would like to vote for this person. I don't think it's necessary right now. I think we're we need to focus on, you know, making sure that we're electing somebody who's not going to put kids in cages. Um, And it's just uh, I think attacking one another isn't it's not necessary right now.
1: I don't know. He's warming um, up. I disagree because, yes, we, we
5: need somebody who's not going to put people in cages. But Obama put kids in cages. And uh, I think Kamala Harris would, based on her truancy record in San Francisco. So, yeah, I want these candidates to tell Kamala, hey, remember that stuff that you did in San Francisco with those kids? Why would it be different as a president? Mm-hmm. I want them to go at each other and because it's important. Mm-hmm. Even, even if it's, you know, because you're just giving them ammunition or whatever. Hey, that's how you got to weed out the field.
2: It's a big field. I mean, I think I think there's some some folks who obviously like there's there's some folks who are coming off you know with they have their problems and everybody's going to have their problems. Um, I also if I see uh, somebody attacking somebody else, I'm turned off by that. I'm one of those voters, Um, and there's different types of voters, obviously.
5: You know, hey, Obama was my professor at the UFC. I love the guy. But he was the deportation in chief, man. Yeah. And those are my people, that the brown people, not the white immigrants with no visas or whatever that he was putting in jail. Those are my people. Yeah, I,
1: I, I don't have a—I uh, actually am not that sensitive where, we're, where uh, primary foes go at it. I get turned off. I mean, if they if they're really dirty at the way they fight, I don't like it. And um, if they cast aspersions about somebody's character uh, and and just muddy them up. Uh, so, what was
5: uh, how did you take Kamala's hit on Joe Biden? Was that dirty or was that legit?
1: Well, I that, thought it was it, legit. That was a that's a great question, and uh, I thought the way she did it was legit. Um, I don't believe she she didn't like give him a nickname like Donald right. Trump would do. Right. Uh, she pointed out uh,
5: but Biden people went crazy. They were like, oh, my God, she's hitting below the bell. And all this." Well, I don't stuff, think you know? she
1: hit below the bell. I mean, I, I thought that um, what she did was point out uh, a, a, she contrasted. Uh, her worldview w- regarding busing with his and worldview. And are we better off as viewers for having seen that? Yeah, now, the, the, the point is, yes, absolutely. I, I saw something about Kamala Harris and uh, that I, I admired. I saw that counterpunch. Can't wait to entertain Jerry Brown on this point later on when he's on the show. Uh, I, Kamala Harris showed me something. Yeah. She could... Uh, counterpunch, and I think that's a very important thing going in when you're dealing with Donald Trump. Uh, You have to be able to stand your ground and deal with what he ha- puts out, and then come right back at him.
2: And, and I think, too, that's on a stage where the you can have a conversation in front of voters. I think doing it on social media or putting out a press release, um, but doing it on the stage in front of voters so that they can make their conclusions and you can watch that back and forth, I, I actually don't disagree with that.
1: Now, uh, in terms of Kamala Harris, attacking Kamala Harris for her position uh, on uh, her criminal justice positions when she was Attorney General of California, I think that's legitimate. I absolutely believe that the past that you bring to the stage uh, is is open. It's open for Bernie. Okay. it's open for all of them and so yes um i think it's legitimate uh to to go after her on that and then she has to respond she has to say what i've changed i've seen the error of my ways and then she has to conv- convince, convince me right yeah, exactly convince you the voter uh, exactly. that you chip it out. So, but i so but
5: let's not put it aside because oh, it's you know not polite to talk about that or let's not give the republicans ammunition no I want to see that before she becomes the nominee. Yeah.
1: You know? Well, listen, and uh, going back to Trump in 2016, the, the Republicans, uh, their debates, they fought. It was, they fought for how many months was it? Like three or four months. Uh, this a very similar tactic, so it didn't seem to hurt them, uh, you know. And uh, uh, and it's
5: politics, right? All's fair in love and war, and all that other stuff, right? You should have a thick skin, and the buck stops here.
1: Yeah. Right. So. Uh, Erica, you—I uh, haven't had you on the show since uh, Nancy Pelosi. Uh, it's funny because it's like ancient history, and in, in, in many ways, uh, Donald Trump. Uh F- 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 replaced nancy pelosi as the like the rival to uh, uh ocasio cortez and uh did you have a, posi- a, a, a opinion about that when you saw those that uh, squabble emerging between nancy pelosi and the, uh, yeah. the squad
2: i think nance needed to step back i mean you should be elevating the women who are you're working with and that should be that i i think that you know she missed up there and and she made a mistake and i think a lot of uh, a lot of folks especially under the age of 35 uh, were deeply disappointed by that and it's not like those those folks were you know team Nancy Pelosi to begin with but um, i I definitely, she she messed up there.
1: Mm-hmm. I got some, see some similarities between Nancy Pelosi and Lori Lightfoot, and I would love to get your thoughts on this I've one. I've heard
2: that quite a bit. Yeah.
1: <laughs> they, they just swing from the hip, and uh, there's a generational thing. They're not afraid to take on people that they disagree with. Uh, and uh, Lori Lightfoot's gone after the Chicago Teachers Union, uh, and uh, some of the leaders of the Teachers Union. She's gone after the Fraternal Order of Police. She's not... You know what I mean? She doesn't hold back. I I just see some parallels. Do you see that as well?
2: Yeah. I mean, I obviously, I of course, I, any woman in leadership, you're going to categorize them and you're going to, you know, somehow parallel them in, in ways that I I don't think we do as much with men, to be honest. So I think that. Uh, I think that there's, you know, when you have a strong woman in leadership, you're going to try to find somebody to relate her to. And I think that both of those women are strong women in leadership. Whether or not we always agree with our tactics, that's another story. But um, I think that the comparison is there because of the fact they're both in these positions of power and people have their eyes very closely on them.
1: Mm. Uh, and uh, since I mentioned the public teachers, uh, the Chicago Teachers Union, you're, of course, a uh, member of the teachers union, you're a public school teacher in the city of Chicago. They're in the middle of negotiations uh, right now. What's your sense of where we're going uh, with these negotiations?
2: Well, it's it's not really for me to speak to because I'm not on the bargaining team. I mean, obviously, I've, I'm reading the same as all of you are reading. I mean, I see what we're putting out there. I see what they're putting out there. I think that what the teachers union is Fighting for is we're, we just want to make sure that our members are being properly compensated for the work that they're doing. I mean, look, uh, Rob Emanuel stole four percent of our salary years ago, um, and we we don't forget that. Um, we're looking for wraparound services. A campaign that that I started after uh, after my run for office uh, was getting more social workers in Chicago public schools because. I ran on that issue. I think there should be at least, at least, a full-time social worker in every single Chicago public school. Right now, I know I talked about this last time I was on, but right now there's one social worker to every 1,053 students in Chicago public schools. The recommendation by the National Association of Social Workers is one social worker to every 250 students in areas with typical trauma, Mm. and one social worker to every 50 students In areas of high trauma. Um, So I put out a petition. We have, uh, it's growing every day. We have over 2,000 signatures on it. Uh, You know, I love a petition, Ben. So, um, but I really want to get folks thinking about this and talking about it. We're talking about, I mean, this is a crisis. It's a crisis of safety. We want to talk about safe schools, uh, having social workers and access to mental health services in our schools uh, is. Helps with the safety in our schools. It's a mental health crisis. I mean, we we closed half of our city's mental health clinics. How do we help to repair that by providing the students who need us the most um, with social workers yeah. in their school community? So I want to make sure that you know everybody's talking about the fact that we have one social worker to every one thousand fifty three students in Chicago public schools in the suburbs. There's some schools that have two full-time social workers in a school, some with ratios of one social worker to every 20 students. I mean, we have schools in the suburbs that they do a wellness check of all of their incoming high schoolers just to see if they have any mental health issues that they might need to talk to a social worker with. Oh. Yeah. So, I mean these kids these kids deserve so much more than what we're giving them and it's incredibly frustrating time and time again to see that you know our kids are getting shortchanged while lincoln yards is getting everything in the riverwalk and DePaul and i i mean we we have money um, and we just need to make sure that we're using it in the right way. Yeah,
1: the seventy-eight. Let's not forget that one as well. Um, what was that ratio again? That was an extraordinary uh, ratio. But social workers to our counselors to students. What was that? The- so
2: it's social workers. There is one social worker to every one thousand fifty-three students in Chicago public uh-huh. schools. So. If, if your child does not have a, an IEP or an individualized education plan, the chances of them having the ability to talk to a social worker is slim to none. Mm-hmm. Um, our social workers are sitting in on meetings. They, they, they're sometimes at three, four, seven schools a week. Um, so I think that we should at least have one as part of each of our school communities, just at, at least a, a, to meet that ratio would be incredible, but also, Having said that, we don't want to privatize this like we've done with the custodians. We want to make sure that these folks are union social workers who are licensed uh, and they're they're school social workers. Um, so that's that's the worry. as we're talking about this, we want to make sure that we're not outsourcing this like we've we've outsourced the nurse nurses and the custodians. We want to make sure that these are these are CTU people as yeah. well.
1: Yeah, and uh, in the past. Uh, so much of the contract negotiations between uh, the Chicago Teachers Union and the uh, the mayor and the mayor's appointees have been dealing with like what they call pocketbook issues, uh, salary, etc. This is a, a fighting for, actually, teachers and more personnel. And I think that uh, the strategy of the city, Erica, has been as pop, as the school enrollment falls, they're gonna try to save money by hiring fewer people. And what you're arguing for is that, no, 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 you got to hire more people to make up for uh, these inadequacies that have been around for like 20, 30, 40 years.
2: Yeah, and these, the a social worker, a counselor, a nurse, a psychologist, all of these things affect a child's learning conditions they also affect our working conditions as teachers Um, if I have access to a social worker that I can sit down and say hey this student is having this social emotional issue how can you help me with it can you come and talk to them though that directly affects my working conditions and so That's part of what we're negotiating. We can't negotiate for class sizes right now. I mean, we can make the recommendations, but we can't grieve it. If we have something in the contract that says you must meet this ratio or you must do this, then we actually have due process with it. And that's why these contract negotiations are so imperative in making sure that our kids in Chicago get the schools that they deserve
1: that's erica wozniak and she is a chicago public school teacher she's a member of the chicago teachers union she ran for alderman in the 46th ward and she's the co-host of uh, girl talk but there will be no girl talk this july but there'll be one in august uh, and uh, we'll have her back in August to talk about who the guest will be mystery guest in Girl <laughs> Talk. Right, Erica? Yes. Very All right. Excited. Very good. Adolfo, thank you so much for coming on. on. He is our election law expert from the southwest side of the city of I will point this out. I,
5: I don't know you're getting me in trouble, but under Illinois law, we cannot say that we're specialists of anything. We uh, We may focus on stuff, but... I can't pass myself off as an election law specialist. Is that right? That's right. I, in fact, in my LinkedIn, I have a whole little thing from the Illinois Supreme Court that says we're not specialists, we could concentrate and focus on certain areas of the law, but we're not, but we're generalists anyway. Yeah. When
1: you go to law school, you cover everything. Anyway. That is correct. So, I always just call my election law lawyer. Whenever I have a question about but election I concentrate, law, I one call of my, you.
5: One of my <laughs> concentrations is election, election law. And you know that the election law bar here is very, very small.
1: Uh, yes, indeed. It's like everybody knows everybody else. Yeah. And one day they're arguing on this side. The next they flip candidates they're are they're both that on the side.
5: same side, exactly. Right. Except for guys like me. <laughs>
1: uh, and uh, anyway, we got the Southside Political Note Alls ready to come on and talk. Oh, and I think I have a Joe Biden defense coming up here pretty soon. We'll bring them on when we return. Hey, everybody. What you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, U, E, L, P, I, A, N, I, S, T, dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel.
0: Hey, have you explored the new SunTimes.com? Our team at the Sun-Times recently launched a brand new digital experience just for you. Yeah, the listener. Yeah, making it and reader. Making it easier than ever to get the latest news and stay up to date on everything happening in Chicago. It's the same stories you love with a brand new face. Take a moment to check it out now and let us know what you think. Visit suntimes.com today. Now back to the Ben Show live from the chicago sun times
1: yes indeed we are live uh, adolfo has left the room erica has left the room but the south side political know-it-alls have entered the room tom shepard jerry brown they know absolutely everything about politics and they're ready to uh, weigh in with all the issues of the day local national
0: etc but before we do that you got an update for me, D? Absolutely, I do. In the last uh, little segment there at the beginning of the hour, we talked about Danny Solis. We're talking about cash today. More cash talk here. Former Mayor Rahm Emanuel closed out his eight-year reign oh, yeah. in style yeah. with $1 million in charitable donations and a roughly $600,000 spending spree on farewell parties. Beneficiaries <laughs> of Emanuel's generosity <laughs> through donations made by former mayor's political fund included five of Emanuel's favorite Clauses, which was reported by the Chicago Sun-Times columnist Mary Mitchell, the Chicago Public Library Foundation, Children First Fund, the City Colleges of Chicago Foundation, and Youth Guidance each received $200,000 donations from Chicago from uh, Rahm Emanuel, according to the second quarter report filed with the State Board of Elections. Ben Jarofsky, your thoughts here? Well, you know, I'm glad he gave the money to...
1: Like uh, people who are doing good work. So I'm going to give a nice little say about ROM. Okay. Everybody oh, instinctively Ben, you're going to say something nasty about (laughs) ROM. So we gave the money to people. It sounds like they do good work and you know, it's good. Um, and little. <laughs> I'm trying to say something else nice about Rom. Then he had the parties for himself. Well, you know, okay. Guy likes to throw a little party and hope they tip the waitresses and the waiters. It could have been $700,000. Yeah, you know, so I'm really trying to you say know. nice things about Rom. Uh, you know, he's not in office anymore and his legacy remains to a certain degree, but uh, you know, that's it's an indication of how people in Chicago play the political game. We have two Southside political know-it-alls in the studio. that you know what I'm talking about. So the power as it be in the city, they look at the mayor and they put the money down on the mayor, and they uh, bet on Rom, and Rom lost, and so he had some money left over and. <laughs> You know, he, I mean, he could have just burned it, I suppose, you know, so he put it to some use. Hey, I'm saying nice things about Rom, D, all right? Well, you're trying. Yeah, I'm really trying to say nice things about Rahm. I saw that article in the Sun-Times saying, oh, ram has gone, but he's not forgotten. So anyway, that news update, thank you very much, D. Uh, Jerry Brown, Tom Shepard in the studio. What do you guys think about that? Mayor ram had some money, and he yeah. uh,
7: threw it around like confetti, hey, Jerry. You know, I do $600,000 parties all the time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not gone. ABC, he'll be back, Say that again. He's on ABC now. Oh yeah, they no, I know it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah,
7: yeah. Yeah, that's you know that's. Like you said, they put their money on him. It didn't work, so, you know, I got this. So maybe he spreaded it around and said that's what he did with it. I don't know. All right. Now, uh, Jerry and Tom are from the south side
1: of Chicago. They've been on the show many times. Uh, they have their roots in south side politics, the 9th Ward, the 34th Ward, I want to say. Uh, and I have to ask you this. For the last week or so, we've been talking about the alligator in Humboldt Park. All right? So that's <laughs> north northwest side. That's how they deal with the alligator. Uh, Jerry Brown, if the alligator was in a lagoon,
7: on the south side, how would they have dealt with that alligator? Well, let's see. I'd probably be the first one out there. I could use a new pair of shoes.
6: <laughs>
7: <laughs> you know, I don't know. Uh, I mean, they got people who trap gators. I, I don't know what the big problem is. Uh, they got the gator. You know that. They get I they get, get.
1: I don't know. Yeah, yeah you were, while you were driving
7: in today, they got oh, they that gator. <laughs> <Okay.
1: laughs> Maybe all that they rain made it They got that gator. Well, they brought uh, a guy in from Florida, I think see? it was. Who it only took him a, a day. It, it, it only t- I know.
6: He
7: took it only took him that's day. not our stuff, gators. Uh, just no.
3: just like the uh, Olympics. They couldn't get the Olympics done from,
6: old from Chicago, Chicago way.
3: <laughs> but uh, bringing a guy from Florida, he got rid of the gator in one day. Well, one there day. One day, they know. got rid of
1: that gator. So all is well with gator and the gator. Rid the gator. <laughs> yeah. All right, gentlemen, uh, before we get into local politics, let's talk about uh, what, the, the, what we've been talking about all day, Donald Trump. Mm. Uh, and uh, Donald Trump went on his little... Uh, uh, tweet war uh, against the four uh, Democratic Congresswomen and fired everybody up. It's been going on for two days now. I think we're heading into day three of it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom, do you think this is a smart political strategy by Donald Trump? Man, who the heck knows with Donald Trump? I, I
3: can't figure out if it's smart. If, it, uh, if Obviously, it plays to his base. Uh, but I was happy to learn uh, when he said today he doesn't have a single racist bone in his body. <laughs> yeah, So... <laughs> uh, yeah, he's, he's uh, definitely playing to that base. I, I've been trying to sort it out, uh, um, how many people are, are uh, uh, upset by it or, or really disgusted by it, but he does something every day. I mean, not a day goes by that he doesn't do some kind of crazy stunt that... Uh, you know, half of the populace uh, thinks he's crazy
1: and, and the other half just loves him for it. Well, he said uh, one of the things he said, he said so many things, is that most uh, many people agree with him, even if they don't admit it. And uh, your neck of the woods uh, on the Pullman community in the south side. Do you think he's uh, accurate? Do you think that there's a lot of people down there who at least silently agree with what he has to say? Maybe not in the Pullman
3: community, but overall, I've heard uh, over in the tenth ward, which uh, I think the tenth ward
1: might have gone for Trump. No, oh my no. God, no, uh, <laughs> no, no ward in this. Uh, it went. I think I'm doing this off the top of my head, so it's always dangerous. I want to say the tenth ward about twenty percent for Donald 20%. Trump. Yeah. Okay, I've, I've got it mixed up with a different election,
3: but yeah. uh, there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of right wingers out that way, and and some of them um, they they love them, they agree with them. Um, I I don't think overall in the South Side communities in the Ninth Ward, we have a lot of Trump people. I I mean, he got walloped in most of those wards. Jerry, how does it play in your neck of the woods?
7: Uh, hmm. Well, uh, let's just say there's no love for Donald Trump on any issue out in my neck of the woods. Uh, For him to make a statement like that. You know, I I really don't think it's a political strategy at all. Somewhere, uh, I just got to believe that this guy knows he's not going to win. I really believe he knows he's not gonna win mm-hmm. uh, yeah I, I really believe he knows he's not gonna win and I guess he's just you know okay throw it all to the air just mm-hmm. let them know what I really feel uh, sure yeah, he's campaigning. You're right on that yeah yeah and I hope so I hope so too uh, you know because he, it, with all the things that Donald Trump is he's not stupid he's not a stupid guy okay he wouldn't have been able to accomplish all the evil he's done being stupid you know he's evil he's evil as I don't know what but he's not stupid and he's got to know what the effect uh you know of what he said would have uh he got a little bit of help from Nancy Pelosi Uh, I I don't understand that Uh, I don't understand that at all uh, Crazy best, by that. The,
3: the intra-party thing.
7: That- yeah. Uh, well, you know, initially she was the first one that condemned the ladies. Mm-hmm. She was the first to condemn them. Yeah. She didn't come out and say, "Well, go," you know, say the things. That, you know, didn't go as deep as he did. But you know, for her to be the the, the leader of the Democrats in the House and to come out and condemn these ladies for you know uh, doing what they do and saying what they say was just totally wrong yeah. in my in my view. And that opened the door for Trump. Yeah. That opened the door for him. Um and she never came back, just like him, never came back and says, Okay, maybe I was wrong in saying that or maybe tried to clean up what she said. Uh I just don't understand that. Uh I don't know. So she opened it up the door for Trump and
1: then he followed through. He followed like, through Yeah, I'm with Nancy on yeah, this one. Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
7: Basically yeah. You know, because she was the first to speak on it, not him. Yeah. She was the first to speak on it. Well, now, having
1: said all that, you're the one to put this in my mind. I've been promoting this all day. You sent me a, a, a text, I think it was, mm-hmm. saying that in your humble opinion, mm-hmm. uh, that the Democrats to win have to move Uh, get a person who's more toward the center, that somebody from the left won't do it. And I have to tell you, uh, not a lot of people come on this show saying that. So I welcome (laughs) you to the show. I welcome your other, all kinds of opinions, you know?
7: So explain why you said that. Okay, far left. Okay. uh, Number one, we have to consider that uh, most Americans are not going to vote. So we're going to have to draw from everywhere we can. Uh, If you look at the 2016 uh, election, Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason Hillary Clinton lost is because we didn't draw from the other side in those five states that took Donald Trump to the White House. Mm-hmm. That has to happen this time. We didn't get the Russia vote. Yeah, well, <laughs> OK. Yeah. But but even still, <laughs> we didn't draw from the other side in those five states uh, that she needed to keep him from going to the White House. Uh, the reason Obama won twice is because he did. Far left is not going to do it. The people, there are people who are basically sitting on the fence. That, like you said, there are some right-wingers in the 10th Ward. But I bet you those white-wingers voted for Obama, okay, in 08 and, and in 12. I bet you they did. I actually, as well as in the thirteenth and the twenty third wards, you look at the numbers in those wards, which are heavily right wing. Yeah, you know they they came out and voted for it. I'm going to have to do a study on this one for the next time on the show because okay. I don't have the numbers
1: in front of me. Okay, uh, so I would take a look at the the 2012 turnout and let's say the tenth ward for Obama as opposed to Romney and compare it to what uh, Hillary Clinton got in 2016 against Donald John Trump. Okay. Uh, before I can make anything anything, uh, you know, I, I just don't have those numbers in front of me. Uh, Tom, do you buy uh, which area? saying?
3: Well, I'm not in favor of what Jerry's saying. I've I've been a Bernie person. Uh, I'm I'm pretty far to the left. uh, And and I'd like to see a leftist candidate uh, take on Donald Trump, I think, head to head. Uh, They might do very well. There's so much noise out there right now that I'm beginning to get confused myself. And that happened in 2016 as well um I, I thought hillary had it in the bag and and uh this time around now there's there's so much confusion and and uh, you listen to the pundits and and you read the the uh, columnists and whatnot and they're talking about so much disarray in the democratic party and so much infighting and i think it has an effect it certainly has an effect on me but i'd like to see somebody from the left take on donald trump i think that people our uh, candidates that are speaking to the issues like on health care um, uh, environment education and things like that uh, if people hear those words especially in the states that Jerry talked about those five states um, these are issues that matter to the the center and the middle class people so uh, I know we're not going to win in a lot of the red states but no. I think I think in the uh, midwest states that you talked about there's a good chance and and even you know uh, florida uh texas is in the mix they're saying
1: so there are things changing well the 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 issue here gets down to do you uh, bring people over uh who voted for trump and get them to vote for the democrat or do you get people who didn't vote out to the polls and the article in the new york times just talked about this put pointed this out jerry said that uh uh if seven percent of the 2012 obama voters didn't vote at all in other words they just didn't show up Mm -hmm. and i don't believe you're going to get that seven percent by going to the center i think that to get that seven percent you gotta go to move left your thoughts on that uh
7: well i'm you know i'm not saying that they should move to the center i just said not be far left and and, and i think i was specific i said far left um radically left uh no you know Uh, first of all the base of the Democratic well I wouldn't call it the base but the majority of black voters uh, in the Democratic Party are basically conservatives black people are basically conservatives you know because we came to where we are by being conservatives you know we had very little so we had to conserve it so we had I mean basically we we come from the Bible Belt okay Uh, we stand on that that's how we grew that's how we grew our families I mean we've gotten away from that but those who are still voting you know, have a legacy of, 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 of what I'm talking about, you know, come from a legacy of what I'm talking about. Uh, so, <clears throat> you know, it's just like a, a per, case, in, case in point, um, uh, how, how homosexuality is viewed in the black church. Case in point right there. It is totally rejected by the black church. Oh, but that's changed. I no, mean, it has not. It, uh, no, it has not. It seems to, but no, it has we, not. Now, where I go to church, yeah, it's yeah, changed. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know where you go to church. <laughs> it's, go, definitely, it's definitely a change. Uh, I
1: mean, but just take a look. But that's one out of 100. But just take a look at this last mayoral election. Mm-hmm. Just take a look at the last mayoral election. Lori Lightfoot won overwhelmingly in the black wards, and Willie Wilson endorsed her.
6: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and where is he now? <laughs> Well, he I, that not the issue the issue is that she still got 70 to 75 percent of the vote I've oh in fact I think I've had this argument with you on Guess this you point did because I've always believed that has been a completely distorted notion not. that black people will not vote for a candidate on on this issue I in fact have never seen any evidence I remember when Derek Smith was running for state rep mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody in this room remembers Derek Smith he was a Northside uh, state rep okay. he was came out of Jesse White's organization, okay. and he got in trouble. Okay. Okay. And um, he got in trouble. He got caught with his cookie and uh, okay. his hand in the cookie jar, as they say. Okay. I, I don't know what happened to him. I lost track of him. Okay. Uh, the point is, it, when after he got in trouble, somehow or other, he, he had already won the primary, I want to say, and so uh, he was running in the general election. He got reelected. Mm-hmm. And the Democrats went after him. And as his last, you know, desperate hope, Jerry... He ran against uh, gay marriage. I remember okay. this. He was setting off. I stood up and I'm free. He got swamped in that election. Okay. In other words, it was like it was his last. The last. Yeah, the last. <laughs> but I'll tell you right now. I will bet you lunch or dinner at your favorite restaurant okay. that if you had five issues, ten issues okay. that black voters had that were going to decide on who they're going to vote for, that would not be in the top ten.
7: I'll take you up on that <laughs> But, you know, and, and, and going back to, you know, what you said about Lori Lightfoot, let, let's be clear about something. Yeah. Okay. Lori Lightfoot won all 50 wards and 70 percent of the vote, not as a result of her being Lori Lightfoot and Lori Lightfoot's positions and platforms and, 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 and you know, what she ran on. But uh, she got all of that because of a rejection of Tony Preckwinkle. That's how she won. Well, that was a rejection. Yeah. That was a rejection of Tony Preckwood. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are beginning to re, uh, regret that. I is really that do. right? Yes. And you're and in that Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Now tell you why. Okay. We hear her making headlines about resisting ICE and protecting illegal immigrants. But these numbers with the shootings and the killings are constantly escalating and she is totally silent. And people are angry about that. Yes. Oh, they are angry about that i had a conversation this morning with a former police officer he's even angry about it you know i don't know if you know joe mosley but yeah Mm -hmm. we and i he and i talked this morning joe mosley yeah yeah yeah. okay Joe, yeah yeah. brother yeah we talk yeah Yeah. good friends yeah we talk all the time you know and uh for points who's joe mosley's sister Oh, uh, former Senator Carol Mosley-Burns. Very good. Give that man something or other. <laughs> Give me another lifesaver. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But but uh, yeah, people are angry about this, and and it's and it's noticeable. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, uh, I will say this. There's a, a more of a police presence, but there's absolutely nothing being done about these shootings and these killings. Tom, what's your thoughts on this?
3: Man, I'm I'm beginning to wonder about these statistics. I, I see. All the uh, shootings, I pick up the paper on, on um, Monday and, and get the statistics on what happened the weekend. And then uh, Eddie Johnson comes out and says shootings something are down. Yeah. How <laughs> in the world? Who's right? I mean, you're on top of stuff, Ben. I wish you could answer that for me because I just can't believe that uh, crime is down no, or, or shootings are down. So, I mean, there's a lot to be said to what Jerry's I'm going to tell you something about. else.
7: Joe also, you know, Joe was a homicide sergeant. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you something else. He says, and he believes, and I believe him, and as a matter of fact, I, 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 I was the one that mentioned it to him, is that <clears throat> the numbers never went down but when we weren't hearing anything about it. It was always going on. They just weren't telling us. Yeah. And the way that they report crime shows, uh, when they, it justifies how they say that crime is going down. Mm-hmm. You know, case in point, uh, uh, a couple of years ago, there was a mass shooting out in South Shore and area, and about five or six people got killed because it all happened in the same location. That was one killing. That's how they rate it now. This Comstat that uh, McCarthy brought in, this is how they do it. That's one killing. So we're looking at these ridiculous numbers. They're probably even more ridiculous than what they're telling us. And, uh, and my whole point for talking about this is that our mayor is, not, is totally silent about well, this. I could, I could tell you this. And
1: uh, I've lived in Chicago since 1981. Okay. And Chicago has Excuse always me. been... A violent city it has. and has always been mayors come mayors go yes. and uh this has always it, it, and before i moved to chicago the 70s were very violent in the city of i think 1973 may have been i'm doing this off the top of my head the single we may have had the single highest homicide number in the c- 95 we had close to a thousand Homicides. Uh, More than in 73? Yeah. Uh Oh, I feel another pet coming on with Jerry Brown. Uh, This one we could look into. But the point is, it's always been a very violent city. city. And I've never felt, a gentleman, that the people who run this city
7: had a sense of what to do about that. Absolutely right. Except for, uh, I will go back and and, and give uh, former Superintendent Leroy Martin credit. Uh, He made sure that his officers contained the crime in the areas among those who were the criminals mm-hmm. he didn't let it allow it to get out into the other areas like it's everywhere now you know it's it, it seeped to the Gold coast you can go down michigan avenue and what's happening on michigan avenue on on north michigan avenue is happening on south michigan avenue he made sure of that you know and that can be done that can be done but because there's no focus on that i guess uh uh well it, i don't know maybe there's a uh, we don't want to get sued anymore, but it doesn't seem like that matters. What we got six, seven hundred million dollars there, yeah. yeah
1: that good. is Jerry Brown. Tom Shepard's in the, the studio as well. The Southside Political Know It Alls we will bring them back when we return.
0: Chicago yeah. reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago culture, food Today's Ben Jaromsky show was brought to you in part by Chicago Architecture Center. Discover the breadth and majesty of Chicago's architecture on a Chicago Architecture Center bus tour. From bungalows to Bauhaus, our expert docents will share the fascinating stories behind our city's architecture. Book your tour at architecture.org slash tours. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm actually on a bus tour right now. Oh, my, look at that wonderful piece of architecture. Get a special discount for Illinois residents from July 15th to August 15th. All Illinois residents get 50% off select walking tours. Visit architecture.org slash il resident. It's Chicagoland's Adult Entertainment Playground. It's the world-famous Admiral Theater, 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. The Admiral is homegrown from Chicago, and it's the most conveniently located club in all of the city. 15 minutes from the O'Hare Airport in downtown Chicago Loop. Voted Chicago's best strip club, the Admiral has showgirls galore and a variety of adult entertainment shows. The world-famous Admiral Theater. Open every day from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m. 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. For events, showtime, and other information, visit AdmiralX.com. Must be 18 years of age or older to enter.
1: Hey! Playing now at Steppenwolf Theater, the world premiere of Ms. Black for President. It's inspired by the true, that's true as it, it really happened, T-R-U-E story of Joan get Black, America's first drag queen presidential candidate. You know who created it, Dee? No. It was created by Tony nominee Tina Landau. Oh. And you know who else created it? No. Oscar winner Terrell Alvin McCraney. You know him. Moonlight. Oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah. For tickets, visit Steppenwolf.org. That's Steppenwolf, like the rock group from the sixties. Ang tight, millennials.
0: <laughs> Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Mr. Jarofsky, take us home. Yes,
1: indeed. That super cool music means we're almost done with another super cool show. It's not done yet. And by the way, Jerry Brown is not only opining on politics, He's not only been it working in the fields for various candidates down for the years. He plays one hell of a piano, D. Oh, I knew <laughs> Jerry I Brown saying. on piano. <laughs> uh, Southside political know it alls. Jerry Brown and Tom Shepard in the studio. We're talking politics, crime. We're talking national politics, local politics. Uh, Tom Shepard's got a few f- points he wants to make but before we bring him on. D. What do you got for me, young man?
0: I uh, just follow us on uh, online. At Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J show. Uh, give us a like, follow, share, review, whatever you want to do. Also, find us on Instagram, The Ben Jarovsky Show. Ben, by the way, how are we doing on that Instagram page? Oh man, we're booming, really. Yeah, I had a, I posted a
1: picture the other day of me giving the finger to uh, some scooters. Oh, we were just <laughs> exploded. Wow, I don't know. I Tom Shepard loves those scooters.
3: I by almost the way. got run over on on Lake Street over here, just by a scooter, out, walking I over hate here.
1: To them. No kidding.
0: <laughs> <laughs> our generation's not feeling those scooters, guys. All right? <laughs> find us online. Uh, also, yeah, the Instagram, The Ben Jarofsky Show. Uh, get a look at that picture of Ben flipping a scooter off. Yeah. And uh, find us. And when we hit 2,000 likes on our Facebook page, we will uh, have ourselves a caption contest. Got a bit of ways to go, so tell your friends at Benny J Show. And also, we're on Spotify. Tell your friends. All right, very
1: good, Dr. D. All right, Tom Shepard, you're going to make uh, a point about the uh, murders in Chicago before I cut you off.
3: Yeah, it just doesn't seem like they're Murders. I mean, every time I hear one reported, they say no one's in custody or, you know, uh, somebody gets away with it. It, it. I find that incredible, especially with all the cameras that we have today. And uh, it doesn't seem like that we're solving crimes. And secondly, uh, I think with Kim Fox, with this uh, revolving door policy that she has, mm-hmm. you know, somebody goes in for a crime and they're back out the same day with, with so many guns, On the streets and that's that's where I think it's different than the 90s and the 70s that we're talking about nowadays I think just about every gang guy on the street has a gun or at least uh, every other one has a gun so they, they go in, they come back out and, and they're committing another crime with a gun or without a gun. Yeah. And I don't know about it, uh, the statistics we were going to try to find out. I couldn't statistics. find the
1: statistics and uh, we came back f- for the break fast, but I am telling you right now, 1973, a lot of people were killed in the city of Chicago. <laughs> yeah. I just didn't ha- couldn't find the website uh, and I remember uh, I remember uh, I've been thinking about this for a long time, Tom Shepard. I was saying this to Jerry at the break, uh, that Chicagoans have this attitude where they link uh, crime and murder to certain mayors and I think in the 90s Chicago is going through this phase where they really loved and revered Daley Uh, many Chicagoans, I should say. And so they just did not hold him accountable or responsible uh, for the murders that were happening in Chicago. And there were a lot of murders in the city of Chicago in the 90s. uh, The way, let's say they did uh, in uh, the first part of Mayor Rahm's term, where they held him responsible. Now, There's many reasons I could give for that, but that's my sense of things, that Chicagoans get very personal about these things with their mayors, and they gave Daly a pass in many ways that they didn't give Rahm, and I don't think they're going to... If if your finger's on the pulse, they're not going to give it to Lori Lightfoot.
3: Yeah, well, I'm wondering about that. And another person that... uh, another campaign promise broken by Trump mm-hmm. was that he's going to come in and clean up oh all that stuff. Hey. So I, <laughs> I, I'm wondering how that's going to equate because people are going to look at that as another promise broken. <clears throat> he's going to come in and he could solve all the problems in five minutes and uh, take care of all the killings in these big cities. Not that he's going to win these big cities anyway, but uh, people are just going to look at him as uh, just another
1: broken promise of his. Tom, that all that was was D- Donald Trump demonizing and vilifying Chicago to whip up his base. It's really not yeah. that much different than him bad-mouthing Alexandria cortez and telling her to go back to whatever country she came from. <laughs> uh, he had no, he couldn't care less about crime in the city of Chicago. And his saying, well, I could just clean it up like that was yeah. this way of sort of saying Mayor Rahm or Mayor Lightfoot or whoever the mayor of the city of Chicago is doesn't know what they're doing and they're just allowing this crime to continue. So if yeah. they're going to allow it to continue, uh, I'm just not going to pay any attention. In other words, Donald Tr- nobody will ever hold Donald, Donald Trump accountable for murders in the city of chicago so he could say whatever he (laughs) wants about it and he does say whatever he wants about it right
3: right i think uh, what jerry was alluding to earlier though about lori lightfoot uh, i think some of the people there's skeptics out there now about her uh beginning to get a little bit skeptical number one she kept eddie johnson and i don't know if that's such a good thing or such Mm -hmm. a bad thing i don't don't know Mm -hmm. who's who'd uh, do a better job um but it doesn't seem to be getting any better with her so i think people are beginning to wonder whether she's going to have a better better handle on things or not. Now, speaking
1: of crime in Chicago, uh, not violent crime, uh, there's the criminal uh, no. political crime in the city of Chicago and uh, uh, in the, since the last Still, time we in the show uh, I believe, I don't think the last time we in the show, Carrie Austin had gotten in trouble yet, am I it correct about that? the day after that? we were here. It was the day after, what timing? They <laughs> okay, waited until Jerry Brown had
7: left the studio. That's right.
1: <laughs> uh, and of course, Carrie Austin, the alderwoman of the 34th Ward, not far from where both of you live right. uh on the south side of, the, of chicago uh had, she's not been indicted i, I, I can remember yeah uh the, but the uh agents raided her office and it's not clear what exactly they're looking for yeah. but they're uh in some ways it's uh it 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 Leads most people to conclude that an indictment will be coming for something or other, generally when there's a raid. Uh, so, uh, you Jerry, you've been, uh, are you an ally? I can't remember of Kerry no, Austin.
7: No. You're on the other side with Kerry Austin for all these years? You know what? I'm going to tell you something. Uh, I. I, I, I I lived in the 34th ward. I lived in the 34th ward for a little while, and I used to attend her town hall meetings. And uh, the second town hall meeting I went to was right after that Darian Albert were killed, was killed, a couple of blocks from her office. Mm-hmm. And we got to talking in that meeting about people who invested in the community and didn't live there. And at the time, I didn't live there, and I had invested in some property there. She literally called me a buzzard to my face in front of over 150 people in that meeting because I didn't live in the community. That's what made me move into the community and get active. Uh, so definitely not an ally of Carrie Austin. She actually, that, and, and you know, and you can tell by the statements that she makes in public that what I'm saying is pretty much true. I mean, there's people who can, you know, verify what I'm saying, but nobody When she called you, buzzer, called you a buzzer. Called me said? a buzzer because I was taking from the community. I was actually buying uh, boarded up property, rehabbing them and moving families into them. Did you defend yourself, what you called? Well, uh, yeah, well, yeah, I was I was flabbergasted. I didn't know she I mean, I knew she was a little... Uh Different, yeah, <laughs> uh, but I didn't expect that. And but but afterwards, yeah, afterwards I did, and, and I continued to be an advocate for what I did, and uh, started finding out the different things that she was doing that just wasn't good. Uh, the, the ward has been in constant decline since she's been alderman. It used to be one of the places to move for black families who were moving from the west sides and from over and uh, you know from west side and other parts of the city. It was one of the places to be, but since she has been alderman, uh, because that was Wilson Frost and then her husband. Uh, who died in the office, and then she took over. But yeah. since she's taken over, it's been constant class. City services are totally non-existent. Uh, but getting back to you know what they've gotten her for, uh, I think it's uh, I think they've just touched on the, the uh, on, 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 just touched on the tip of it. Uh, they recently uh, showed in the paper, I think it was in the Tribune, uh, where they did an audit of the budget committee just for last year. And she was over sixty percent yeah, per, yeah sixty like sometimes, yeah, sometimes, yeah. okay, mm-hmm. yeah, sixty, and that was just one year, and she's been chairman of the budget committee for twenty years. Mm-hmm. She's paying her chief of staff who already gets city salary for being a uh, chief of staff, she's paying him $118,000 to be on the budget committee. Both of her sons were employees of the budget committee. She's, uh, she's open and, and, and yeah, I'm all about nepotism. No matter what, you know, she's had one son who got, who was a ward superintendent a city vehicle without a driver's license. Mm-hmm. She defended that, yeah. you know, it's, she claimed the other guy was driving this. The, I yeah. remember that article. She but said that's, how, can, that's yeah. how he got caught because yeah. the the lady that they hit, that he hit, would not lie for him. That's yeah. how he ended up getting caught. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, uh,
1: the the publicity in the last few months has not been very good for Kerry Austin. Mm-hmm. Uh, See any patterns there, Tom Shepherd? Does it remind you of other Southside politicians you've been dealing with over the years? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, the ward that I
3: live in, um, I, I think. The, my alderman is uh, there are rumors that he may be next on the list um uh he went i think he was
1: over budget too wasn't
7: he yes he yes. came in over
1: budget yes
3: and, and and ridiculous
7: spending two suvs right. well let
1: me ask yeah. you this uh do you uh are you one of those chicagoans who feels that the aldermen have too much power and that you agree with Lori lightfoot that they should rein uh, aldermen in and do away with Alderman and prerogative are you one of those chicagoans
3: uh, some some of them, yeah. But, I mean, where they're going to put the Divi bikes, I think the Alderman knows better where they're going to put where the divvy bikes. By the way, do goes. they have Divi
1: bikes on the south side yet? Very yeah, they're supposed we, to have we, them down we there. we got about eight
3: out there. I've <laughs> <laughs> got about eight. We don't have any scooters, though. No, no scooters. You're right? lucky
1: you got no other scooters. <laughs> uh, our, uh,
0: and uh, I'm gonna we're going to do a segment of this show, D, to close out the show. Absolutely. It's time for the segment where we let our editor, Leah, take control of the program. It is time for... Or Leah's last word. word. Oh, this is something new. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. Are. What's
3: Hi. up, Leah? Hey, Leah. Hi. My
2: question for both of you is: um, Do you think that Mayor Lightfoot is going to be able to follow through and get a handle on crime in the city?
7: Uh, not doing what she's doing now. Uh, I think she can. Uh, I think she can be uh, a little bit more vocal about uh, her disgust with what's going on. Uh, I think she can make. I mean, she's going after the FOP, uh, but in going after the FOP, she should also be talking to the leadership of the police department to uh, make sure that these guys uh, who are uh, commissioned and uh, you know to 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 fight crime, to actually fight crime, you know, uh, she can do it. I mean, she can, It can be done. It can be done. And then you know, I'm hopeful that she does, and maybe me and my uh, me and a few others that uh, you know express our disgust with her not doing anything about it or not appearing to do anything about it. I don't know what's going on behind the lines, but I do know that the numbers are constantly going up. Maybe that'll make her uh, say, okay, maybe there's something to be done. I, don't know,
3: Tom. I think she's got a tough road to hold because uh, with all the guns on the street and with this revolving door policy now with the state's attorney's office and, and letting criminals back on the street like immediately, no bonds. They're not going to be holding them anymore. And uh, I'm not advocating this tough-on-crime sort of thing, but... Criminals are, they're, they're not paying for their crimes anymore, so uh, she's going to, I don't know how she's going to be able to get a handle on it as long as the criminals come back out and they keep committing the same crimes that they uh, that they do over and over again. I, I caught the tail end, by the way, just as, as important as that, we caught, we were here, caught the tail end of the school situation, and, and she picked another fight over there, and uh, uh, I think she's maybe in way over her head, and uh, I don't know how she's gonna tackle that problem, the crime situation, budget situations, and uh, all these things at one time, because I don't see much uh, negotiation or progress there.
1: Do you have a follow-up? Well, in terms of the school, yeah, we were talking with Erica about the negotiations uh, with the current teacher contract, and uh, as Erica was pointing out, uh, this is a first, this that i can remember where teachers union is uh, p- uh battling not just for uh, raises uh for rank and file but they're talking about expanding the workforce uh, in areas that you wouldn't think a teachers union uh, would rally around more social workers more counselors that kind of thing and I think that's absolutely critical the whole it's like a, uh, the, I think about fighting crime uh, during time on a, like a, a holistic level it's you know it's mental health issues it's truancy issues mm-hmm. it's like what's going on in a kid's life that kind of thing there was a story in today's Times. I don't know if you saw this but there's p- police training where uh, for police officers who actually were in the schools, mm-hmm. and these police officers were talking, not social workers, police officers talking about dealing with kids who have mental health issues mm-hmm. or kids who come to school, they uh, they haven't eaten and they got anger or something happened at home and they're bringing right. it into the, the school and then you as a cop are dealing with it on the front line. And and the police officers, these are police, I cannot emphasize this yeah. enough. These are not social workers right. saying that we need a different kind of mentality, we need a different kind of training okay. Uh, before we uh, go into these situations. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, uh, Lori Lightfoot is, you know, the is facing a reality that m- other mayors ducked. Mayor Rahm didn't ever talk about hiring more nope. uh, social workers, okay. hiring more counselors, He closed mental health close clinics, right, yeah. you know, and so now uh, Lori Lightfoot's dealing with the budget issues that she inherited from Mayor Rahm, but she's also dealing with these re- realities on the ground that mm-hmm. she has to come up with money. She has to figure out how to come up with money to hire more social workers. And I'm not sure where that money is going to come from, Tom yeah, Shepard. Yeah, yes. I know people in your <laughs> neck of the woods aren't asking for a tax hike, are they? I don't think so. I yeah. don't
3: think so. And and uh, with uh, the Trump administration giving the uh, bank away to the uh, tax cuts it's not going to come from the federal government anymore or states down, down from the state the state's going to have to come up with something and are mm-hmm. they going to
1: be raising by the way uh, you guys you just got your tax bills what's what what, what, what was that like mm. uh and uh, i just paid my tax bills so it's on my mind uh we you, did your taxes go up this time around tom well i'm a renter first of all so i, I wanna,
3: did your rent go up uh, it hasn't, no, yeah. not yet, but I, I don't think we got socked
7: with it. I think the Northsiders got hit with it this time. And, and what about you, Mr.
1: Property Owner on the <laughs> South
7: Side? <laughs> no, we didn't see the increase we anticipated. No, we didn't. Yeah, well, so now but, you're a huge fan of Fritz Kage the county. Of yeah, Se- <laughs> yeah. but listen, you know, real quick, I found what you were looking for. Okay. You were right. 1974 was the worst year for homicides it's in 60 years. I'm not,
1: not celebr. I shouldn't celebrate. Celebrate <laughs> that <laughs> 970.
7: I found it. Okay. 970, and then there was a decline, but it soared back up to 920 in 1995. Yeah, so so it was, was, but it was seventy four. Okay, yeah, Yeah, I remember. I'm telling you,
1: man, there was Chicago has always been a violent. I'm not proud of that fact, right? But but I don't know what to do with that fact. You know, I I remember. Jerry Brown, I remember <laughs> Ralph Metcalf, mm-hmm. the congressman, mm-hmm. uh, fighting Mayor Daly, old mm-hmm. man daily on the issue of police brutality. Yes. These issues have not gone anywhere. In no, this have not. I may remember no. Mayor Washington got elected. Right. And... Uh, it was right after those two police officers were killed on the south side of Chicago, and that's when people started learning about what Burge was up to. Mm-hmm. And these issues are not new. You no, understand what I'm they're saying? Not. I, mean, I just—it seems like we just constantly put them under a
7: rug they're and move them around, we, uh, change the name, flip them over, but they're still there. They're still it's there. The same problem. Well, it was 1995?
3: Was that the year of the heat wave too? Yeah, so many mm-hmm. people died from the mm-hmm. heat.
7: And that was at the at the end of Cabrini too, and, and Cabrini went. Well, no, that no Cabrini uh that
1: they tore down Cabrini-Green about four or five years. I mean, after that. After. Uh, because I remember, oh my goodness, now we're talking now memory lane. I remember when Paul Vallis was the head of the CPS. Like, and and uh, uh, Cabrini-Green was still alive. He was coming in around the area saying, he was talking about building a new school right. for Cabrini-Green. And then mm-hmm. shortly thereafter, they really went full speed ahead mm-hmm. to uh, depopulate the area. All right, Jerry Brown. Thanks for uh, going, yes, taking I, the deep down. I, I found down. it. I found you it. found it. You're a better man than yes, I am when it comes have.
7: to that and I admit my wrong. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not pro- I'm not happy about that, no, by the way. No. Uh, usually I am like a proud of my memory, but I thought it was 73, but it was actually 74. 74 yeah. All right, it was a 70 things. All right, gentlemen, I appreciate you coming on the show. Jerry Absolutely. Brown, Tom Shepard, thank mm. you very much. I also want to thank Adolfo Mondragon, He was here earlier today. Erica Wozniak, Leah. Did a fantastic job as always, and of course, the man, the myth, the legend behind the board, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois. You know what they call him down in Alton, Jerry? You know what they call him? No, it? what they call him? White Lightning. White Lightning. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's <one's
6: laughs>
0: ever called me
1: that. <laughs> Dr. D, give yourself a raise. Take it out of Petty Cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. Yeah.
0: And remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites, chicago.suntimes.com forward slash Jarofsky and chicagoreader.com and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. And, hey, downloaders, you know we live stream this show, right? Yeah, you can catch it live Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time. Join the live stream chat. Oh, it's a party, all right? So join that. We'll see everybody tomorrow. Find us online at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show.
6: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.